Hi, I'm Maddie Hockaday, also known as the Anne of this relationship. And I'm Holly, the Leslie. We love Parks and Rec. We love behind the scenes. And we love each other. This is literally the best Parks and Recreation rewatch show. We're your park pals. There's a park and some pals and there's also therapy too. Are you ready? I am so ready. Okay. Well, I'm going to start with my little recap moment really fast. Love it. Recap. There was a lot to recap on, Maddie. I have like a page or so of recaps. It's nuts. Um, It'll go fast though, I promise. Okay. So... In the last episode, we weren't sure if Andy made the list of typed chores. We were wondering if, like, he made that or Anne made that or what happened. But uh, I went right. back, um, and he has a line that says, I made this list. So he definitely made it. It's still weird that he typed it up and printed it out. It's still very strange. Yeah. Whatever. Really weird. Um, he pl- it was planned then, right? If right. Exactly. If it's typed. Right. But I do think also he was surprising her and he was surprising Anne because I went back, like I said, and watched it. And he has he has this uh, mischievous look to camera like he's up to something. And also he's hiding a trash bag in the couch cushion that he pulls out. So like he definitely planned it. Okay, It was a surprise. Okay, cool. But I do love also, they had said this in the commentary a little bit, but I do love that they kind of show him loving Anne and like trying, even though he's super lazy and sometimes terrible, like... I just added a P. I feel terrible. Anyway, <laughs> but like sometimes he's terrible, but it's nice to see. I think they wanted to make him have more dimensions than just being lazy. So that was kind of nice to see. Well, and I think, you know, I think there's two other sections to it as well, right? It, we, it had to be made justifiable for Anne in some way for us, right? We had mm. to have some sort of reasoning into our in our brain, like why is Anne still with him? And yeah. it's those moments that he puts the extra effort in. And then I think the other thing is it can't just be a slap in the face when he starts to be that good guy for April, mm. right? It's got to be like, well, he's had that in him. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't the right person. Exactly. You know? That's such a good point. Does that make sense? Uh, okay. So moving on to the next one, uh, you were wondering how old Amy Poehler's kids were. Uh, you are exactly mm-hmm. right. Um, so she had, a, <laughs> I know, right? Amy Poehler super fans <laughs> over here. Um, she had her first son before season one. So they started shooting and then she got, um, then she got pregnant before season three. So yeah, they kind of squished together shooting season two and season three. Uh, like usually they take a break between uh, seasons and then start again, but they pushed a lot of the filming together so as not to show her belly slash give her a break. So uh, I read a little bit more of Yes, Please, um, just like as my little reading. <laughs> I finished yes. it all, obviously, um, but I was just going back because she has a couple sections about Parks and Rec itself, and I was going to say so much more than what I'll tell you now because I just was so excited that she was talking about like literally everything we were talking about uh and she has this section also where she talks about each individual cast member and like her favorite parts of working with them it's so sweet Mm. um but she kind of talks about but the point is that I'm trying to say is that I'm not going to tell you everything because it's so much better to read it like on your own and kind of just like hear it from her instead of me but the thing that I will say is especially since it relates to her pregnancy, is that she was talking about how Mike Schur um, called her when they were, you know, coming up with Parks and Rec, um, you know, during season five or whatever of The Office. Um, and she was like, I don't know because I'm, I'm you know, I'm pregnant. And um, this was like when she was still technically at SNL, but she was about to leave and she was, you know, not mm-hmm. technically having anything lined up, but 
Michael Schur called and was like, yo, we have this really cool idea. We want you to play uh, Leslie. And she was like, well, I'm pregnant. Like, I don't know how this is going to work. Um, and and then there's this really cute line where – or section, rather, where Mike Schur does a lot of uh, commentary on her writing about Parks and Rec and the origin and everything of her being in it. And um, his line is literally uh, Amy Poehler or bust. And it was, like, so cute because, like, he's, like, no one else could play this role and you need to play it and we're going to do whatever we can to make it work. And she goes on to say that it was the best role ever written for her and she just – it was the best thing ever. So I thought that was really sweet. It is. And it's so hard to picture anyone else playing that character. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, like, I mean, he's right. Like, I think he had such the perfect person in mind for her. Which I think I'm finding more and more as, you know – As I guess me trying to be an actor as well, like sometimes and I I just have to keep reminding myself that sometimes the role is just not there yet or or I haven't created it yet or whatever. Like it's just Mm -hmm. the roles that everybody gets from all these interviews that I see, especially with Parks and Rec in the office. But really anything is like no one else could have been that character, you know, so it's pretty uh, a good reminder. Yeah, for sure. Okay, next thing, moving right along. Um, I have a little bit of a disappointment moment. Um, you had, oh. we had, I know, we had asked where the dog poop fight was, and I could not find it. Like, I tweeted about it. <laughs> Oh my I, um, Parks and Rec has like a fan account, like an NBC account or whatever the hell. And I tweeted at mm-hmm. them. So maybe someone will see it and get back to me from somewhere. I don't know. But I Googled it and I just could not find what park that was. So I'm very sorry. Oh, that's okay. You tried. That's, I did That's try. what matters. I tried very hard. But it's okay. I mean, maybe it's more magical that we don't know where it was. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> Let's look at it that way. Right. Um, I was looking – okay, next thing. I was looking at the Wikipedia page and almost – this is really funny. Almost everything in the Wikipedia pages are based off things in the commentary. So I feel like someone has been doing what we're doing, but they put it in the Wikipedia page instead of a podcast. Right. (laughs) But – and also, like, they don't get everything. So people – and also, you guys, you don't want to go to the Wikipedia page and read everything. You want to hear it from cool people. So that is – cool voices and cool – Intake, outtake, uptake, input, cool. <laughs> I In- don't know. <laughs> yeah, with a different take. I don't know. Yeah, cool takes that's on exactly it. hot takes. Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> that's what I was looking for. But apparently, so um, the look at those bitches clean up after me in the boys club episode was improvised. I did not know this. <gasps> oh my gosh, that's what it says. I love that. I, yeah, I they didn't say that in the Boys Club commentary as far as I know, but that's what it says on my research, and I think it was in the Wikipedia page that it said that. So we'll have to uh, double-check that, but uh, it definitely set line. the tone for the rest of the show, you know what I mean? Yeah. But they were also talking about, like, during that commentary time in the last episode uh they were talking about brian the miller high life um commercials guy who died Mm -hmm. of the aneurysm or whatever so they were talking about him during that line in the commentary so maybe they just couldn't kind of you know squash it all they glossed over it Mm -hmm. yeah okay so we were wondering how many wine bottles were in the gift basket versus how many she took out with her to the boys club okay because remember when her and ron have the uh little moment where she comes in um there the gift basket is back on ron's desk with wine bottles in it so i was like so they put the empty wine bottles back in the basket like what happened um 
Okay, so answer. <laughs> there were three bottles in the basket and she took out two. Um, so yes, they – and then April had the third one. So, okay. So April must have like thrown away slash kept that wine bottle and then I think it would be very much in Leslie's character to – as evidence – put the empty wine bottles that she used back in the gift basket. Um, right. But that was also – also, you guys should definitely go back because uh, – and watch the part, that little scene when she takes the wine gla- or wine bottles out to the uh, courtyard because uh, it's definitely cut. Like, there's a continuity little error, which it's not super recognizable unless you go back and watch it if you're a freak like me. But <laughs> – <laughs> Basically, there was uh, a cut in one. She's holding one wine bottle in her hand, and the other, oops, other wine bottle like in the nook of her arm. And then they cut back, and she has the cheese in the hand that had the wine. So, hmm. but yeah, so there were two bottles that they drank in the courtyard with the boys' club, and then one that April drank. Um, we're closing in on the rest of them. Um, okay, so you already know this, Maddie, because I already told you this, but I did a deep dive. <laughs> Slash had a little fun with JJ's diner. <laughs> Yay. So first of all, let me tell you what I found out about JJ's diner. Okay. Uh, the exterior shot of this location is actually in Atlanta, Georgia, not in Los Angeles. Interesting. Very interesting. Huh. Um, I looked it up. Uh, I believe it's out of service now because the current Google Maps thing and Yelp, I believe it was Yelp, um, like the Google Maps Street View has like an empty building. There's not really anything on on the front of it. Uh, and Yelp said it was closed. So I looked it up and it was a diner called the Landmark uh, Landmark Diner. And I do believe that the Landmark Diner is still happening, like still open, but it's just not at that location. Uh, it's okay. closed now. Very sad. Um, like I said, I think that it's still open and I think they ended up doing like an upgrade situation because – when I looked it up, um, it was like this neon light sign. And at first I was like, that can't be right. But then I found pictures of what it looked like before, and that's definitely it. Um, so if you are in Atlanta, it's on Cheshire Street uh, in North Atlanta. So just FYI. Um, <laughs> and I looked up a little bit of the interior shots as well <laughs> because that's just who I am. Yes. Um so the interior shot in season one, uh, all of them are shot at a place called Country Folks with a K in North Hills, California, <laughs> which is just north of Van Nuys. If you're familiar with Los Angeles, it's in the valley, essentially. Um, there's also, oh yeah, soups class. Country with a K. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. There's also another Country Folks in Riverside, which is about an hour-ish outside of Los Angeles, south of um, – I actually did a show um, there one time. Um, but, yeah, they don't seem to be – which is weird because they don't seem to be associated with each other. They're, like, both called Country mm. Folks, but they have, like, different menus and different things. So I'm really unsure of what that is about. So if you have any uh, insider knowledge about that, fans or listeners, let us know. <laughs> and they're both spelled with a K? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That can't be coincidence. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. They're both in California. Yeah. That's just got to be like two different chefs or something. Right. It's so weird. But one of the reviews (laughs) that I found for this place says, quote, this place is ghetto but has good breakfast. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Uh, Me too. I mean, those are the best places, I feel. Yeah, for sure. It doesn't have to look pretty. It just has to have good food. Right. Exactly. Um. 
so that's season one, but the rest of the seasons with the green booths that we know and love where Leslie is always at with her business meetings and with Ben and all that stuff, uh, that is mm-hmm. shot at a place called 4 and 20. The 4 is spelled out, the letter N, apostrophe, 2-0, and that is in Sherman Oaks. So that is still there, and um, – but I, I went to their website, and evidently that restaurant has been struggling to stay open during COVID. So um, I feel oh. that we need to have some, uh, like, a little Save JJ's campaign again, <laughs> like, yes. in real life. So if they're doing oh, takeout yes. orders or if, like, you're – I mean, they are doing takeout orders. So if you're in that area and you can, um, like, get some takeout or delivery or whatever from 4 and 20. But, okay, this is the real kicker, and this is one of the last things I have to say about JJ's is that, and in general, uh, for this recap, is that um, I did find that there is a capital R real JJ's Diner here in Jonesboro, Tennessee, which is about four hours from Nashville North. It's almost to Virginia, so, like, if you're on the line, if you guys are familiar with the Tennessee-Virginia state line area, uh, it's near Bristol, Virginia, but it is... uh, it's not, like, associated at all with Parks and Rec, and it's not, like, a waffly diner situation. But it is called JJ's Diner, and, um, well, who's to say? Maybe it is a waffly diner. I just don't know. But it's called <laughs> that, and um, I drive by there kind of on the way home to Virginia if I ever drive. Uh, I've been flying lately, but if I ever drive, I will have to stop there the next time I tra- take a road trip back home. Yeah, for sure. Or we'll go there when I'm visiting. Yes, yes, we will, Manny. Oh my God, that would be the best Park Pals like moment Ugh. ever. It would be. We'd ha- we'll take pictures and we'll post it on our page. A hundred percent. Oh my gosh. Okay, has to happen. Has to. That's awesome. I have to say, I texted you immediately, but I found an outdoor vending machine. <gasps> oh my. Okay, explain. Uh, at a motel. Mm. I found. I-, I saw it. We were driving, and I was like, Oh my gosh. No way, because I literally was talking to Holly about this two days ago. That is wild. And I had to explain the whole thing. Was it in like a breezeway or was it outside the lobby, you think? Or was there not enough time to tell? No, it looked like it's in between two of the motel rooms. Oh. Or maybe between one motel room and the lobby. Okay. Um, I mean, but Prescott, the coldest it gets here is like 30s in the middle of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, it's not as cold as it is in Indiana, but I just thought it was funny. I thought I saw an outdoor vending machine after we talked about like how I thought that was so Random not going to happen true. ever. <laughs> Share your photos if you are from a Midwest state and have seen an outdoor vending machine. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, was there anything else? No, I'm good. Should we dive into The Banquet? Yes, we should. Season one, episode five, called The Banquet, written by Tucker Colley. Uh, I think that's how you pronounce his last name. Uh, he was a that's producer on... Okay, cool. He was a producer on The Mindy Project, Everybody Loves Raymond, A Million Little Things. Looks like he was only a producer on the first season of Parks and Rec, um, but he wrote this one. Directed by Beth McCarthy Miller. She's she's such a huge inspiration, I feel, because she's a huge director, not only on Modern Family, 30 Rock, um, and The Good Place, but she is a huge SNL director, and that is how they know Mm -hmm. her. So she also has directed a lot of musicals and video shorts. Uh, she also, I don't know if you found this, but she also directed the Super Bowl halftime show with Justin Timberlake and Janet Jackson. What? She did not. I mean, obviously, I didn't find the any. The controversy. Na- I know. I was trying to like, <laughs> 
find interviews or something with her talking about it, but she didn't really talk about it. So, which I don't blame her. But, uh, and also that's not the biggest thing. I know that's a big, huge deal, but like SNL and Modern Family and 30 Rock and all the, and obviously Parks and Rec, uh, are, are bigger I feel um so she directed three yeah. episodes of Parks and Rec including this one and then she also directed Galentine's Day which I thought was really <gasps> interesting yay yeah well and I have to point out that this is our first female director mm, I love that yes 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 yeah. uh it's that's what I'm saying it's like so inspirational because if you look at her IMDb it's so insane and she also directed SNL for 11 years which is gnarly yeah that is a crazy amount of time I also found and I was particularly um intrigued by this as someone who likes grunge and like hard rock stuff Mm -hmm. um she worked for mtv unplugged and so she worked with nirvana Mm. um when they came on so i I was like that's cool because i like nirvana and i love dave grohl so yeah okay that's great no i because you know i said that she directed musicals and video shorts and like music stuff but i didn't know like what exactly so i'm glad that you said that i would not have known that Oh, that's so cool. I know, right? You'll be also really happy to know that the commentary this week is her, Beth McCarley, McCarthy oh, yeah. Miller, the director, and Amy Poehler. So they are chatting. <gasps> and I will say they definitely had, like, you could 1,000% tell that they had a shorthand with each other. Like, they have talked before. They are friends. They are very familiar with each other's work. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing I will say, as much as I love them, and I really give them a pass because I don't care because there were some great nuggets in here, they didn't tell as much information as the previous commentaries because I think they were, like, mm-hmm. so familiar with each other that they were just, like, yeah. talking and having fun. Um, yeah. But I don't care. Again, we'll we'll get to some more commentary things. But that is who is uh, on the commentary this week for the DVDs. That's awesome. That's the first time I think we've had Amy in the commentary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. It is, which I love. It's awesome. Well, should we start with the summary then? Yes, let's hear it. Yay. All right. I, I shortened it up a little bit this week, but hopefully it's, it's clear and lays it out. Mm-hmm. All right. This episode focuses on a banquet thrown for Leslie's mom, Marlene Griggs-Nope who is receiving the coveted Tellinson Award. Anne is invited along as Leslie's date, and thanks to Leslie appearing appearing masculine with a new haircut and Anne's overly formal dress, they are thought to be a lesbian couple by many onlooking party guests. At the banquet, Leslie tries to get in good graces with the head of the zoning board, Janine Restrepo, but ends up learning about the dirty side of politics. Yeah! Thunderous applause. Yay! I love this. Yeah, I thought, like, keep it short and sweet because I think there are a lot, like you said, there's a lot of nuggets probably in the commentary, but I think there's a lot in in this episode that kind of helps the character shaping. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, my first thing is about this cold open. What what have you got for it? Oh, yes. Um, (laughs) I know we don't have an answer to this, but is this the same location again? (laughs) (laughs) Oh! you guys this has to be the same one Uh, like did you guys shoot every single one of those cold opens for these last three episodes like on the same fucking day or same week or whatever (laughs) (laughs) well like i feel like at this point too like we can't blame them right so they probably don't have the budget they don't they don't have as small of a budget as the office had when they first started Mm. but they probably don't have as big as of a budget as mm. the office had at that time in their fifth season. So they probably did have to say, well, we wrote three cold opens that are going to happen in a park. So let's find one park and get right. it all done. So, so but I think, yeah, I think it's the same place. 
Yeah, I do too. Uh, I also wonder if this cold open was just straight up improvised. Like maybe a tiny bit was written. They didn't say it in the commentary, but like it just seems like one of those kind of off the cuff things where Amy Pol- they just let Amy Poehler like talk or something. Um, yeah. Because it just didn't seem like it was really planned or had anything to do with anything. So. <laughs> no, so true. And I feel like you can kind of see it in Leslie, in, in Amy, how she's acting it. Mm-hmm. Like, I think she's acting it as like, how much am I going to share with the crew? But her brain is also coming up with like what she's going to share. I also noticed that it was very windy. Yeah. I don't know if you noticed that. Every yes, time which, I see a scene or, like, a show or anything with, like, a ton of wind where their hair is blowing, the leaves are blowing, everything is blowing, I am so impressed by the sound, people, because they just oh, yeah. get the voice and not the wind. Because wind is fucking loud. If you've ever spoken to someone on the phone when it's windy, it is insane how much picks up when it's not really even that windy outside but there's just like short little gusts of wind you can hear it and so I really really admire and appreciate the sound people whenever I see a scene with very windy uh, outdoor environment (laughs) yeah agreed yeah that's got to be hard well I on the windy note I really want that windbreaker that she has oh my gosh I want that too it looks so cute cute. yes (laughs) Okay, we'll, we'll get it. We'll get one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's also really interesting uh-huh. that they talked about how a pioneer was killed because usually they talk about how the Indians were killed or tortured. Yeah. I love that line, though, of like, you know, you got to hand it to the uh, Indian people or Native Americans or whatever. Like, they used every part of the pioneer. <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh. That's what's so great about the Indians. <laughs> they use every part of the. Oh, man. Which, okay, two things on that. First of all, mm-hmm. I had a really hard time in this episode picking a best line and that Mm. was one of them in the running because I feel like there are like a couple really solid lines in here and I thought that was just such a good one Mm. Um, but I do have to tell you that I looked this up to see if this person was um, real was real yeah and he is not Nathaniel Bigsby Marks Mark is not real, but there is literally just a page about him because of Parks and Rec. Right. And the paragraph is literally the exact same thing that she says. So they literally just pulled it out of the episode. But it says Nathaniel Bigsby Mark was a pioneer who was killed by a Native American tribe known as the Wamapoke in Pawnee, Indiana during the 1700s. After trading the Wamapokes a baby for what is now Indianapolis, which fucked up. Um, they killed they killed him and cut off his face using it as a dream catcher and he made his legs into rain sticks oh my god i think i remember reading that that all sounds really familiar i'm pretty positive that i read that but i didn't put it in my notes so i'm really glad that you said it (laughs) that name also i don't know how they come up with those names um for this show for all these pioneers because they're so perfect they are they're really well done like i don't and i mean i wonder if they got that one from a family friend or something Mm. Or if it was just like, we're coming up with something. That is so funny. I know. I enjoyed that. I thought it was, I, I like that you point out, find it out that it wasn't just about the Indians anymore. It was like, okay, the pioneers are getting what they deserved. <laughs> right. A hundred percent. Well, that's all I have yeah. on the cold open. Samesies. So City Hall, we, here we come. Yes. Uh. All right. Well, um, I have to say, uh, I have a quote down here. Uh-huh. Oh, Yeah. So she's explaining like what the Tellinson Award is, right? And that it was first um, for Tony Tellinson, who um, 
was a great man. I mean, is a great man. <laughs> and she's like, I, for one, am glad that they're keeping him alive. <laughs> I know. Well, I was really confused. I'm really glad that you said that because I was, I wrote down, is he supposed to be dead or was he just old? And they're like, he's not supposed to, or he like, you would think that he's dead now, but they're keeping him alive. Or was he maybe supposed to be like executed and then they didn't? I think it's just because he's old. But I thought my yeah. mind went wild with that imagination. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. No, it sounds like he, they're just keeping him on a on life support. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> That's yeah, what yeah, it yeah. Sounds like. I think so too. Oh man, I love this because we get an introduction to basically what the entire episode's going to be about, mm-hmm. and then we see Leslie talking with her mom, and this is so relaxed to me. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you feel about that, but I mean, because I feel like every other time we've seen Leslie with her mom, and honestly, I think this is the most we see. Leslie and her mom interact as in the first season and then she's kind of sprinkled throughout the rest of this, the series. Mm-hmm. But like we've seen a lot of her mom in this first season, like more than I remembered. I'm wondering like what you think about it, but her mom is like leaning back in the couch. She seems ch- super chill. Like Leslie's still sitting up straight, but she's like she's also more comfortable. Mm-hmm. And I'm just wondering like what you think that might be if it's because she felt she feels like really proud of her daughter for what she accomplished at the city hall because she does mention that but i don't know yeah. it's just interesting it's taking i know that turn. i i i 100% agree with you and noticed slash tracked that as well i my note said marlene is being so nice to leslie at this moment um and it did freak me out a little bit i liked watching it um i will say i think if if i were to like overanalyze it i would say it's because marlene is this sounds crappy, but it's not because she's necessarily proud of Leslie. It's because she's happy for herself that she's receiving this reward. Mm. Uh, I was about to say reward, but which I guess is true, <laughs> but this award. And so she feels like she is on top of the world. She accomplished something. She's about to be honored. She's feeling really, uh, you know, proud of herself. And so I feel like she's just relaxed a little bit more because she is getting this recognition. Uh, and maybe the 5% is that she sees that her daughter uh, could handle herself at the city hall, you know, or uh, at right. the public forum. But I think it's about the award, uh, if I were to guess why she is being so relaxed and nice. Yeah. And if I have to, you know, it's sucky, but I I completely agree with you on that I hadn't thought of it that way but I think you're right it's probably that like almost like you know kind of how in in movies and stuff like kings are presented like when they're in front of their subjects they're very like Mm -hmm. you know standing up straight but then they like get into their relaxation like around their you know around their yeah you know their their posse I guess and I think that that probably that kind of is what I'm seeing now is like she's like I am at the top of the world everybody come for me to me for advice right 100% like that's why I um oh yeah and that's why I think that like um anyone of stature uh I when you said the king's thing I thought about actors that had just won a grammy award or like or a grammy um had just won an oscar <laughs> or musicians who had just won a grammy or whatever like they already know it's in the bag they're not on the uh edge of their seat wondering if they've gotten it yet like Marlene already mm-hmm. knows that she received it uh and so I remember a bit of a tangent but the reason I'm saying this is because I remember when I was catering in LA uh we did the place that I catered for did a lot of like Emmy parties 
And um, there was an actor, I'm not going to say his name, I'll tell you later, but <laughs> there was an actor who, like, we were closing up, and we were so done. We had been there all day. We were like, no. And this happened all the time at catering events where, like, the people, the stragglers at the end that are like, ooh, who cares if we stay really late? And we're all just like, you guys, you've got to go home. Um, but this actor had just won an Emmy, and um, his, like, I don't know if it was his girlfriend or who it was, but there was a gal with him and our bars had closed. The food, the kitchen had closed. Everything was like wrapping the fuck up. And she comes up to me and is like, Hey, can so-and-so get like a drink still? And I was like, I'm so sorry. Our bars are closed. Like we're actually shutting down for the night, like whatever, whatever. Um, and I was trying to be nice about it. And she was like, um, and I don't know if he said it or I think both of them were kind of thinking it situation, but she definitely was like, well, what if you tell them it's for like an Emmy Award winner? And I was like, OK, lady, you need to just <laughs> um, come down with the rest of us. And I don't care. Like, I want to really yeah. badly, but I don't care. And so I and like. I could see him, like, behind her, like, sitting on the couch or whatever, being super relaxed, super chill, like, oh, I'm, like, dying because I don't have a drink and I'm an Emmy Award winner, blah, blah, blah. And I know I'm being dramatic, but that's really how it felt at the moment. And I was like, you know what, like, uh, no. Um, Y'all can go make yourself a drink at home. Yeah, Bye. and also, like, it'd be one thing if you didn't get a drink or food or whatever. But, like, y'all, you've been partying all fucking night. Like, and now you decide to, like, make a stink about it, like, when things are leaving. Um, no. Yeah. So I think that that is just relating to, like, once you've won a, an award, you feel, like, this uh, sense of kind of, like, gravity finally hitting you. And you can take a deep breath and be mm. like, oh, okay. I'm like a superstar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I yeah, I like I like that that point of view better. I mean, it's it's shitty, mm. you know. I think it's in character. It makes sense. Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. No, I agree. Um I did not laugh at Ron's joke like calling Marlene a name. I did not laugh. I was like, "No, that's rude. I hate it." I was going to ask you, did you um find in any of your research? I did not. Um what the bleeped out part is of that name no i didn't find out specifically what it was but in the commentary they did say that nick offerman who plays ron had a list of bad names uh that he was going through kind of improvising but also he had kind of a planned list where he was trying to get the director to break beth mccarthy uh miller and Mm -hmm. so he just kept like spouting off random ass things trying to get her to laugh and uh so i don't know exactly specifically what the words he used are but uh that was kind of his intent behind it okay that's i mean that's cool to know though Mm -hmm. that he was you know kind of improving and also going off a list Mm -hmm. which we know they did in the office as well right right we're right very true yes um oh i wanted to say one more thing about um leslie and marlene Mm -hmm. in the office when she says you know if you keep that work up you're gonna get your own telecine award today Mm -hmm. or one day or whatever and leslie's like i already know where i'm gonna put it (laughs) Right, I don't. Just like, of course you do. That's so funny. So specific. I, I love that. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Manifestation. She's, she's prepared. Mm-hmm. Yes. So the speech, she's writing the speech now. Mm-hmm. And um, why, I don't know if she's just not learned her lesson of using Tom to help her with stuff, but he is not the person <laughs> I would go to to help me write a speech, first of all. I know. Um, but... But she's so funny and she's so proud of herself mm-hmm. when he when she's like, you know, oh, I don't know. Our speech is important. Uh, why don't you ask the Gettysburg Address? 
oh, couldn't take your call? It's because he's in the Smithsonian. <laughs> like, I, that is, oh my God. She was so proud of herself. I literally wrote down that line, Maddie. Uh, I think that it's might so be. so good. I honestly think that, I mean, as we go down, I'll tell you the other lines that I was thinking of, but I do think that that's mm. one of my fave lines. It's great. That's why I had it written down. Totally. And a lot of these, um, when Tom's giving her terrible advice about the speeches, um, a lot of these were improvisations about what to say to her mom. Um, uh, Mm. Or like about her mom, rather. And uh, the whole like Marlene Griggs, nope, has not four, but five Asian friends. (laughs) Yes. That was all uh, a C's. And I also really appreciated, uh, I think they said this in the commentary, most of these ad-libs that Aziz had like he would love to have his computer in front of him because he puts the lines on his computer and like goes back and forth Mm -hmm. between looking at the computer and at Leslie so most of those are on the screen for him (laughs) but like that's great but like those were things that he made up and he was just like picking out which one so it's still technically improvised but I thought that was really funny yeah no, that's great. Oh, also, I noticed the gavel that you were talking about in the second episode oh, or good. whatever. I finally noticed yes. it. And I was like, oh, my God, I see it. It looks beautiful. <laughs> yes, it is. It's really nice looking. Mm-hmm. I like it. Um, I love the um, also Marlene has only said the N word four times in her life. <laughs> and Les is like, no. And he's like, she said more. it more times. <laughs> like, oh, like, my God. Heck, so man? terrible. But anyway, so the he's like, okay, we're going to get the energy up. Um, Marlene Griggs not, nope, is not a whore. <laughs> that is and so then funny. Marlene Griggs, I know, Marlene Griggs, nope, has never solicited a male prostitute. But Marlene Griggs, nope, that's a tongue twister when you say it in a row <laughs> so many times, um, has only said the N-word four times. But I, ha- I have something else mm-hmm. um, if you're ready for it. Yeah. Um, he says that Abraham Lincoln used to start his speeches saying, I have no idea what I'm doing. (laughs) And I looked it up because I was like, I want to know if he actually said that because I would be really intrigued if Abraham Lincoln actually started his his speeches that way. He does not. Tom's an idiot. Um, But in my research, I then found... Some very cool quotes by Abraham Lincoln, if you would like oh my to hear God. a couple I of my favorites. I love his quotes so much. He is such a good uh, writer, speech maker, everything. Okay. Seriously. Yes, I would love yeah. to hear them. Okay, so I'm not going to read you all of them. I'll send you the link to the full page, but I'll read okay. a couple of my favorites. So, I do the very best I know how, the very best I can, and I mean to keep on doing so until the end. Mm, I love that profound. one. Um, oh, I love this one, and I think this one was quoted a lot around the election. Um, the ballot is stronger than the bullet. Mm, love that. that. Yeah. Let's see. Where's the other one? Sorry, it's a whole list, so I lost no, my other one. No, I was going to say, you know what? Okay, while you're looking for it, I'm going to look for the one that – I wrote down one because um, Conan is a really big history buff, and he had yeah. – uh, I don't know who he was talking to, but he had another quote of Abraham Lincoln's that I love. Okay. Oh, I found it, but let oh. me know when you have yours. No, you go, and I I will continue to look for mine. Okay. So this was – I think this was definitely uh, about the election, but I think it goes for so many different parts of politics slash our Mm. society. But it says, um, no, if destruction be our lot, we must ourselves be its author and finisher. As a nation of free men, we will live forever or die by suicide. Mm. And the way that I took it and the way that they're, I think, explaining it, uh, or the way that they explain it, rather – 
was that if we are going to take down our society, if we're going to take down our government, if we're going to take down whatever, it's us that gets to choose that. Uh, We are the deciding factor of how we live our lives and how we treat other people and how our country provides help to others. And so if we're going to die, it's going to be by suicide. We're going to do it. No one else can take it from us. We have to be the people in power uh, or in charge and control of what happens to us and others. And I thought that that was so perfect. Yeah. No, that's a really good quote. I did not read that one on here. So that's that's great. Um, another one I have is most folks are as happy as they make up their minds to be. That's a good one. I love that one too. Putting like you, you are in charge of, you know, that happiness to a point, you know, if you're going to dwell on things, you know, then you're kind of restricting that happiness. Um, definitely. I love this one because my dad, my dad says this a lot, like when he's talking business and whatnot, he said Uh that Abraham Lincoln said, Give me six hours to chop down a tree, and I will spend the first four sharpening the axe. Mm. And I I kind of relate that to my dad says, well, if you're going to give me a project and you tell me I have 40 hours, I'm going to use all 40 hours. Right. Whereas if you give me a project, I could be done in three hours. Mm. You know, but okay, if you see, give I took me... it like... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, you go ahead, because that's, that's just the way I took it because of the advice my dad has given. But you, you yeah, go with Yeah, totally. Thought. Well, I think it's maybe a mixture of both of those. My The way that I took it was like, I'm going to spend the first or if not more preparing so that mm-hmm. I can get ready to, which I guess is using all the time that you have, but I'm going to prepare as best as I can so that when it t- comes time to actually get the job done, it's done yeah. and you don't have to question it, you know? Yeah, no, that's great too. I like that one better. It's more positive. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I like being able to use all the time. That's awesome. Yeah. Good old uh, Abe. The, yes. This is the last one I'll share um, okay. because I, going, I like yeah. this one too. Nearly all men can stand adversity, but if you want to test a man's character, give him power. Mm, interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And we have definitely seen what people can do with power. Oh, yes, we have. But I just... Uh, or not love, do. Yeah. <laughs> or not do. Yes. Um, but yeah, I just... I I was like... Oh, no, he definitely didn't say that. But look at all these amazing quotes he had. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's awesome. It's yeah. great. And we didn't even say the one that he's most famous for, the house divided against itself cannot stand. Right. So good. Um, but that's all I had on the speech writing stuff. I just I thought oh, good. I would share that. Yeah, um, I do have a deleted scene thing. Um, it's moving on to the next, uh, though. It's after the yeah. speech, I, I believe it would be, where Leslie's giving... Uh, well, actually, Leslie's giving tickets to everyone, like at City Hall, oh, um, mm-hmm. for the awards, which I don't think they do in the in the show. But basically, she's giving tickets to everyone, and they're plus ones. And Donna says she can't go because she has to go to her dog's funeral, which is such a lie. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> I know, sad. Maybe it's not a lie. I don't know, but regardless, like that's it what she sounds says. like a Donna lie, though. Yeah. And then Jerry says that his plus one can't come. And Ron says, mine can't come either because I divorced her ass. <laughs> oh, man. Then Leslie asks if Tom's wife can come. And he says, drop a beat. <laughs> and um, it's so funny. Oh, my God. I wish I could find it and send it. Or maybe I'll just like have to record it on my phone and send it to you. But basically, Tom asks uh, Leslie to drop a beat. And Leslie goes, beat, 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 beat. <laughs> Beat, beat, 
beat. And, oh and then he does like this kind of DJ sound of no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm not doing it as well, but it's so funny. I had oh, a great time watching that. That's and good. And I wish that they would have kept it. But all that to say, though, that was a great deleted scene. But I, my next note truly is that I have to say I really like that she values the opinions of her coworkers. She takes their opinions so seriously. Mm-hmm. And I think she also gets more confidence later for sure. Like she's more decisive on her own, not having to ask as much. But I've always really loved that she asks for like advice and help and guidance. Like even when Chris Chigger and Ben come along, like she always asks – them for help and she always looks to Ron for advice and she asks um, even April like she asks like what you know what would the youngsters do kind of thing so that she can be more well-rounded I just really find that that is uh, that's lovely to to hear yeah it's an admirable trait because I think Mm -hmm. as we've talked about before it's hard to ask people for help Mm -hmm. Um, yeah and opinions but yeah I think it's great to you know appreciate your your co-workers opinions and you know, mm-hmm. if that's how you work as a real team, really. Mm-hmm. They did say, sorry, in the commentary, they mm-hmm. did say that they technically shoot about nine or so pages and like uh, a day, I think, or uh, or at a time, right? And then like a couple of ad libs. So technically that's like 10 or 12 pages. And like thinking about that sounds like so insane to me because I don't know, just like with all the redos and everything, I think that that is really interesting to think about, um, especially adding in those ad libs. Like nine pages is a lot. I feel. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, at Anne's house, I have to say, like, Anne and um, Rashida look amazing all the time. Oh, my gosh. Yes. But I, I really like this black dress more than the pink one. And the way she has mm-hmm. her hair done and everything, I like I prefer this look to the, the one she actually goes with. And yeah. I'm, she looks so cute. I'm assuming that's kind of what they were trying to do, right? Like Mm -hmm. go from, oh, she looks so nice. And then she's going to make this choice and it's going to go kind of the other way. (laughs) Right, right. Completely opposite sides of the spectrum. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Well, and I just. But I I also noticed. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I love that she has the balls to clap back at Andy almost when he's like, why don't you ever wear this dress for me? And she's like, yeah, I don't really feel the need to get dressed up to go to a date on the couch and he does not get it at first like they're both giggling and then you right. see his face go oh shit and he's like oh <laughs> <laughs> well i wrote in all caps that we all do that now and it was like a pre-covid moment that i was thinking about because now we like either don't get fancy at all ever or we get fancy and go sit on the couch and like have a zoom moment <laughs> yeah <laughs> I just thought that was so funny to, like, relate it to this day and age. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah, I appreciated her having that because, I mean, I don't feel like we see her stand up to him very often. So I think seeing him, seeing her kind of, like, be like, well, dude, you can't really, you're not really doing a lot for me, you know. Yeah. I I liked that confidence. So. Totally. Also, when he, he turns around to her when she's doing the talking head and he's like, babe, I'm out of milk. Oh, my God. Seriously? (sighs) so annoying it is so annoying it's like either get your crutches and go get milk or you know wait till Anne is at least done talking to people she's like in the middle of something it's like my mom taught me that when I was a kid like my mom had this rule like if you want to say something to me if you want to ask a question and I'm talking to someone else you put your hand lightly on my arm and that's how Mm -hmm. I know you're ready you need something but you have to wait for me to finish my sentence you can't just interject and like so I feel like that is Oh, yeah. So I feel like it's a a skill we should have 
by the age of 30, whatever that, you know, that Randy is. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, 100%. I'm ready to go over to Salvatore's if you are. Yes, I'm so ready. Oh my gosh, also old tech alert. Like when Leslie's walking, she has a flip phone. Yes, yes. I love that flashback of like, because that, it honestly did not come out that long ago. 2009? Mm-hmm. That's not very mm-hmm. long. And like technology has made such a large transition in our lifetimes because flip phones weren't even a thing I think when we were born it's insane I mean Apple also is taking over the world and like Mm -hmm. has revolutionized the way we communicate and like it's just insane that's like a good catch because I did like I saw it but I didn't like think oh look flip phone (laughs) right right totally this is this is my thing right is Anne and Leslie are talking on the phone and Mm -hmm. Leslie is like, oh, this is like a huge deal. This is like the Emmys of Pawnee, basically. And I don't know if she's just being like naive and she's not trying to screw things up, but I don't think she's realizing that she is kind of screwing things up for Anne in that moment, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think, and I was sitting there and I was like, I think this is one moment where we're not like Leslie and Anne because I don't think either one of us would uh, like even unconsciously do that to the other one, Mm, mm -hmm. you know, like, because I think it's just so important in Leslie's mind that Mm -hmm. this, this Tellinson thing is so important to her that it's like you need to dress black tie. That's how important it is. Right. And, Mm -hmm. but then on the flip side, when they get there, Anne is frustrated because she's dressed way too like high. So I think on like when I look at us, I think first of all, I don't think we would overhype it for the other one to show up and feel awkward. Mm-hmm, but I also mm-hmm. if that did happen, I think the other one of us would realize this is really important to this person and I'm going to flaunt this like extra mile I've gone to because this is this is how important it is to them, so I'm going to meet them there, you know? Yeah, so, 100%. Yeah. So I think I think the Anne and Leslie that we know and love in like season four and five, I think this would look very different. Right. In my opinion. I think right. it's a little well, early. Yeah. I think one of the things that I always go back to when I see moments like this of Leslie happening is I go back to kind of her North Star uh, show Bible moment, if you will, where like she is the quintessential overachiever. So mm-hmm. regardless of if it's naivete – Uh, or, you know, thinking too highly of the event or whatever it is. She wants to make sure that she uh, goes above and beyond in all aspects. So I feel like this is a thousand percent just – illustrating that even more. Um, But but yeah, and then I kind of didn't like – there was a moment, I don't know (laughs) – I don't know if uh, you caught it or if it was in this – particular scene but like she kind of makes Anne feel bad almost like for not dressing up or something I or at least that's the way that I took it kind of thing when they're talking on the phone yeah I thought that's where it was maybe I'm missing that but there was a hmm. point where I was like well Leslie calm down <laughs> yeah I don't know I, I would have to go back and rewatch it just because I feel like they do have quite a bit of conversation on the phone mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. not just like a two second like dress fancy and then bye but right but I think I was focused on the fact that she was like, like, listen, this is the Emmys of Pawnee. Like, you need to be dressed up really nice. Side note, this is a street near the studio where they where she's walking outside uh, in Burbank, California. And Salvatore's is a real barbershop. And it's actually really called the Modern Barbershop. 
And wow. it was the same as what was shown. Uh, there was a deleted scene, which is really hilarious, where Leslie's walking into the barbershop talking to Anne on the phone, making sure Anne got the directions. Uh, and Anne is like, well, I got your email. Um and I got your fax and which by the way I was like Anne has a fax or maybe yeah, it was at work damn. or something yeah maybe it was um, but the then hospital. Leslie was like oh right and then Leslie was like oh the FedEx didn't come yet <laughs> oh my gosh so funny and then there was room for uh Andy to come to the party uh to the award uh ceremony and Anne was like well he can't really put on pants so I don't know how that's <laughs> gonna work and uh Leslie was like well does he have like a formal kilt <laughs> oh my gosh that's amazing which oh i would gosh. love to see andy in a formal kilt that is oh, so yeah. freaking hilarious yeah that would be great although i do feel like there's a part of Anne that's like really ready to just get away from andy and like yes. you know and away from that drama so regardless I if he could you. put on pants i think she would come up with an excuse for him not to come yeah, and I honestly, I just, I think it's so sweet, and uh, I don't know if this was technically supposed to be a part of it, but I just thought it was so sweet that Anne comes in the first place, you know, because yeah. it's not really about the park, it's not really about the thing that involved her with the, uh, you know, Parks and Rec in the first place, so I thought that was really precious and special that she decides to support her friend, you know? Yeah, I agree, I think that's, it's a really, um, another, like, little inkling of how close they're gonna be, and how supportive they are of one another. So I like that. I have a couple little things uh, that I kind of picked up on as she was talking on the phone slash walking slash mm -hmm. talking to uh, the camera crew about this hairdo. So first of all, she says Larry Bird. Um, she talks about Larry Bird. And right. she this is who I looked up in the first episode. And I was like, oh, my God, he looked – because he's talking – so I think now, yeah, now we're inside of the barbershop. Uh, right. And she – uh, said that Larry Bird got his hair done or whatever. And I thought it was so funny because if you'll go back and listen to the first episode podcast, I said that the Wikipedia picture for Larry Bird is so freaking weird looking. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought that was so funny that she mentions him as a reference thinking that it's a good thing. Which, by the way, you guys, for those of you who haven't like super mega remembered, but uh, Larry Bird is the coach for the Indiana Hoosiers. Slash, he also played uh, on the Boston Celtics, Boston mm -hmm. Celtics. Um, and the reason I know that not only because I looked it up in the first episode, but side note, little tangent sentence is that I have been watching the documentary The Last Dance. I'm a little behind, but the Michael Jordan documentary. Are you right. familiar? I'm familiar, but we have not started it yet. Oh, my God. You will love it, Maddie, um, especially since you love sports, because I'm not even a sports, a huge sports fanatic. Uh, basketball, of, of course, not really for me, but uh, I, I always like watching sports live. But I'm, you know, I'm whatever. Regardless of if you're a sports fan, it's so fascinating to understand the uh, kind of ins and outs of basketball, the politics, the team, the ownership, the management, all that stuff. Um, but Larry Bird is interviewed in it um, because he's talking about when the Celtics played the Bulls, which Michael mm. Jordan's team is, and how Larry Bird, they show a clip of him saying uh, Michael Jordan's the best in the game. And uh, I've been finding lately, especially in these COVID times where I haven't been able to read books from the library. So um, I've been trying to pace myself with buying them because of, you know, money. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I find the way that I'm learning, because that's really what books do for me is I'm able to learn something. Uh, I find the way that I'm keeping up with that and stimulating myself is documentaries and uh, podcasts. So, uh, yeah. So anyway, that is my little Larry Bird side note. That's so cool. 
But I just the, the going back to the show, I just thought it was so funny that she's like, you know, referencing him as something that's looking good <laughs> or like a good thing. Yes. <laughs> I was like, I, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it's true. Can I tell you also very briefly that I did not really know what movers and shakers really meant? Like, I've heard it. She says this is where all the movers and shakers go get their hair done, and I was like, yeah, I've I don't heard know what that. that means either. Yeah, and so, okay, I'm glad you said that because I looked it up. And <laughs> it honestly, it just means, this is like the definition that I found. It means anyone who wields power and success in their chosen field. So, because at first I thought it was politics because, you know, he's a political haircut person. Um, but you can use it for anything. So, movers and shakers of the art world or the music world or whatever, like, or people who have made change. Um, it's okay. basically people who move and shake shit up. <laughs> I like it. It makes sense. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I have no idea that that's what I meant. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was really interesting. Um, there is a commentary moment where the guy's wife who owned the shop ate sunflower seeds. So they wanted to put that in. They wanted to like have a lady in the background eating sunflower seeds because that was what ha- was going on in real life. But then they were like, no, no one would really get it. But they – so they didn't like do a super visual scene with her. But you can definitely see like an elderly woman in the back of the scene when it's happening. So I don't know like – if that was supposed to be the sunflower seeds lady wife, mm. but um, but you definitely see uh, an, an older woman in the back, so maybe they're just paying homage to her. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's interesting. That's cool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I just looked up um, Salvatore, the actor. Oh, um, I love him. He's so over it. He has so many wrinkles, and he's so perfect and dry. I love it. Yeah, he was very well casted, Allison Jones. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. um, but his name is Cletus Young. Um, which I never heard of the name Cletus until like literally two weeks ago, someone ordered food at the restaurant and I had to call out the name Cletus. And I was like, there's <laughs> no way anyone has named this. And then I found out that he's named this. So it, it's a name like other people have this name. I don't know its origin, but it is a name. Yeah. And that's also like a country music parody guy. I'm pretty positive his name is Cletus, too. Oh, okay. You have to look him up. It's yeah. so dumb and funny. But anyway. <laughs> Um, so Cletus Young, um, I looked through his um, IMDb and I looked through his works and it was nothing really I had ever heard of. So I didn't really mm. take notes on anything he'd been in. So it's been really tiny roles in um, side movies, nothing big or anything. So um, Yeah, and he's older too. So maybe he, it was like, yeah, I mean, I even stuff. looked back then though, and I don't think there were any big roles because I feel mm. like I, I know some oldish movies just because my family's a huge like movie family. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I didn't. I had never heard of any of those movies he had been in. So interesting. More guest appearances as we go along. I just love how Leslie walks in like she's she's in on it. Yeah. Right. She's like, oh, hi, Salvatore. Classic Salvatore. And he's like, do I even know you? Like, I don't think we've ever met. (laughs) So I just thought that was great. But also, I also really love the line. It was almost my favorite. I don't know if do you have a favorite line in this scene? I do. Well, I, I have the um, dynastic line, but I don't have anything else. Okay. So the line I have written down that I liked was, my mom is being honored. So in a way, I am also being honored. <laughs> right. <laughs> which right. I, which which goes I also it, yeah. loved. Yeah. So I loved that line. But yeah, yeah, I had to look up what dynastic actually means. Um, mm. And it means, it just means of a dynasty. So, right. <laughs> <laughs> So I thought that was really cool. Yeah, she's very obsessed with, which I think is interesting because as we go along in the series, right, but she's so obsessed with being at the same level as her mom, Mm -hmm, right, mm -hmm. or making her way with her mom. Um, Yeah. 
and following in her mom's footsteps. But little does she know, she's going to go way above and beyond her mom. Right, 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 right. So it's so interesting seeing the whole series and then, you know, coming back and watching these episodes and you're like, but you don't even know the potential you have. Like, I feel like you're caging yourself in almost to keep yourself mm-hmm. here in Pawnee, you know. Right. So, um, but yeah, I just thought that was interesting with all the, the dynasty talk. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, I also like that uh, in the commentary, they talk, Amy Poehler says that hairdo um, had to happen for three days. So <laughs> Wow. Yeah, so she fun. said it really... Sh- Right, I know. She said it really showed off her grays, which she was laughing about. Um, but she, but yeah, she had to get her hair done like that for three days. Wow. I don't think that would be comfortable. It looks like there's a lot of bobby pins and like mm-hmm. gel in there. Hairspray. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm ready to go to the banquet with Woo! Um, a wonderful beginning of <laughs> Leslie walking in and April saying, hi, sir. And, <laughs> I know. I love that. And like, again, another line that was almost my favorite was um, the, oh, I, April, I'm off the clock. You don't need to call me, sir. <laughs> I know. I love that she takes it as a compliment. I wrote that yes. line down, too. And best. we've talked about that before as part of her personality, right? It's like she takes these things that people are trying to make as like a nudge or, you know, something to hurt mm-hmm. her self-esteem or whatever. And she's just like, I'm amazing. You know, right, like exactly. she keeps it going. So I, I love that. Let's see. I also have um, that she goes to see Anne and Anne is freaking out that she's overdressed. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, she's got they've got their arms hooked and everything like mm-hmm. a couple and looking like a couple and people start looking at them. And Leslie is so oblivious because when this um, former councilman comes up and tells them how brave they are, she's just like, OK. Let's go. <laughs> like, right. has no, it just goes right over her head. She's just They're has like, no uh, idea what's going on. Nice of him, question mark. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I felt so heartbroken for this dude, for this I guy. Know. I was like, for him to not be living his truth and to call them brave. I felt so sorrowful for him <laughs> in know, this moment. It, it completely insinuates that he's lived this lie, right? That he's mm-hmm. wanted to come out and be happy with a guy and that he hasn't mm-hmm. been able to. And so, yeah, there is that that heartbreaking aspect of it. It is really heartbreaking. Yeah. But. Ugh. But I did love him. I thought he was great. Um, he had a bow tie and it was really lovely. <laughs> I love bow ties. Um, Me too. I also, I also have who played him. <gasps> yeah, let's uh, hear it. His n- name is Bruce Jerhow. Is, okay. I think, how you would pronounce it. Um, but he got his start at Second City in oh, Chicago. Of course. Yeah. Um, he had uh, some reoccurring roles <laughs> on Seinfeld, Married oh. with Children, and Desperate Housewives. Oh, so good for he's him. Been, he's been on the screen for a while. So that's cool. That's awesome. He also is from Evanston, Illinois, which is like 12 miles northwest of Chicago. So Chicago. Chicago. So the he bears. is. The Bears. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> that's actually where Northwestern is. So okay, um, one of my best friends from high school, um, Nicole Jew, shout out. Um, she uh, shout out. she went to Northwestern, and so I visited her there. And Evanston is really nice, really nice area. That's and awesome. You can, you can see Navy Pier in Chicago from like uh, one of the little like um, coast sections oh, sure. up in Evanston. You can like still see. 12 miles away the navy pier which is cool sorry side side note but no i love that cool. that's a great little moment little so, um 
lesson because I um I really wanted to go to Chicago this year, um, but obviously with COVID that wasn't a possibility. So that's yeah. on my bucket list for next year, and I would love to um you know if Evanston is close, maybe drive through it or something. Yeah, well the the L goes up there pretty easily. Oh, too, okay. So. That's it awesome. works. It works out, and I know COVID, uh, with COVID, uh, Chicago was not really a place you would want to be. It was Ugh, hit yeah, hard. too crowded. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So well, there was a deleted scene where uh, Anne sees Leslie, um, or like when they're walking in, kind of thing, and um, <laughs> Leslie see- says, uh, "Okay, shall we, girlfriend?" Like, <laughs> as in, like fun friend girlfriend right. and Anne is like uh maybe you shouldn't call me girlfriend <laughs> oh my gosh that's Too hilarious good. but yeah that's all i have for um my next <laughs> my next note is about um ron and the trivia of his favorite foods yes i have something right before that okay yeah let's um, hear it did you see the certificate that was like sitting there no for Marlene Griggs-Nope. So it says the I mean, I think I saw it, but I didn't read it. So I didn't read all of it. But there is a large face of Tony Tellinson in the background of that certificate. Mm-hmm. And it looks so Creepsville. Like, I would never want that hung on my wall. <laughs> like, because it is. Because yeah. you know how there's, like, an emblem, typically? Like, you have your name and, like, this is the reward going to this person for this reason or whatever. And then there's an emblem in the background, typically. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. But no, it's just a giant ass face of Gross. this old guy. So, yeah, I looked at that. I was like, who would want that? And how like how just so self-centered to have your face yeah, plastered say, like, on everyone's certificate. Maybe? Yeah. Like create an easy emblem and have that on everything like this. Nobody needs your face on their paper. <laughs> yeah. Especially a creepy looking dude like you. Yeah. Yikes. Yes. And yes. Going on to the, the bacon wrapped shrimp. Yes. Mm-hmm. Please. Please share. Well, first of all, I didn't know bacon was his number one food. Like, I would have thought that it was steak or something. But bacon makes sense for sure. Um, And then shrimp is his number three food that we learn. Um, So I love how they build on this. Like, wherever he goes, he mentions the food that they serve. Like, remember at the um, bowling alley when they're – when she's running – when Leslie's running for (laughs) city council and they, like, say this as my favorite restaurant in town. Uh, And it's just hamburgers and hot dogs. I thought that was so funny. Um, In the commentary, though, I don't know if anyone was curious, but I definitely was. And I'm so glad they said it. But in the commentary, they mentioned Ron's number two favorite food. And I was like, oh, that would be steak maybe or some other kind of meat. But Mm -hmm. uh, Ron slash Nick Offerman chose uh, cheese. Cheese. Okay. So Leslie's favorite line uh, was that one. Like, or Amy Poehler, rather. Mm -hmm. She said her favorite line in the show was uh, that – bacon wrapped shrimp line um but yeah apparently he had to eat a lot of those bacon wrapped shrimp which i don't think he minded but that could probably get really like gross really fast but yeah but yes later on maybe we'll post like an instagram story or something like a little trivia moment ron's trivia is number one favorite food is bacon number two is cheese and number three is shrimp (laughs) yes that's so good i would not think cheese would be number two i'm with you i would think steak would be higher but I, I don't think I, maybe he just like didn't have it grounded as in in you know his character yet. But I could definitely see him eating cheese. But oh it's yeah, not, I wouldn't say it's his fave. But yeah, yeah, no, agreed. I love when when he's like bacon wrapped shrimp, and Anne's like, oh no, thanks, and he's like, I wasn't offering. <laughs> <laughs> I know he has I a little smirk that. with it. Yes, <laughs> that's so funny. Uh, um, well, I have I have my favorite line here. I think Uh-oh. I think this is my okay. favorite line. Do you think this okay, might be the it. same thing as yours? Uh, I don't think so, but okay. I, I'm interested. 
Okay, so Leslie is pointing out how many, like, legendary people are here. Which, Mm -hmm. side note, how many people, like, in their town actually, like, know the people in their local government and the people that have won won these tiny awards, but she's acting like they're they're the celebrities of the town, right? Yeah. But it's it's very confusing. It's it's interesting to me, like, how many people actually know who these people are, you know? Mm. But I bet my mom would know um, everyone. If she yeah. was at a banquet like that in my small town, she would 100% know everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Your mom's special, though. She gets involved with she everything is. and, like, You're right. all the charity call, things. And, yeah. Your mom is, is special. She's an outlier. She's a special lady. Which, side note, my mom's na- uh, name, which I, I never really realized until we've been saying it so much, but my mom's name is yes. Darlene. Yes. And Leslie's mom is Marlene. Yes. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm literally Leslie fucking nope. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. It's so funny. We never know Anne's mom's name. I know. We don't really talk about her parents too much, but that's no, okay. No, we don't. Yeah, it's fine. Um... <laughs> So my favorite line, right, she's going through all these people like, look who's here tonight. This is amazing. And my favorite line is, if a bomb went off in here, it would definitely make the Indianapolis papers. <laughs> oh, my God. I wrote that. I have a note saying that line. Oh, yes. I love that so much. It's so morbid, but it's just like she's so excited about it because that's how important the people are. Like, Indianapolis would write about it. Oh, yeah. 100%. Like, everyone in this... 30 to 40 mile radius would definitely hear it (laughs) or hear about it. Oh, my gosh. I have a brief moment really fast about Mm -hmm. Jerry. I don't know if you noticed this, but basically, so she, Anne and Leslie walk up to the table uh, together and everyone is sensing that this is very, controversy is happening because they Mm -hmm. look like a lesbian couple. And I just noticed that Jerry is so not Jerry at this point. Like, in every episode, he has a reaction of a normal person. Like, when he sees Anne and Leslie come up, he has a reaction of, like, oh, my gosh. Like, they don't know that they look like lesbians. But I think in further seasons, they would be like, oh, my God, you look – or Jerry would be like, oh, my God, you you guys look so beautiful. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, Agreed. Or something like, you look amazing or some compliment, like, totally oblivious to what everyone else sees. But but in this one, he's, like – you know, he notices it and he reacts like an actual normal human being, which I thought was really funny to see his kind of evolution of where he goes. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree that, that he would act like that in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they definitely don't have a grasp on who Jerry and Donna are yet. Yes, a thousand percent. I agree with that. That's interesting. I didn't even look at his face when they walked up. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You should definitely look at it. Yeah. Um, I also LOL that the part where she's listing all going back to what you were saying, like mm-hmm. she's listing all the talents and award winners. And she says, I don't know who that is. That's someone's wife. Yeah. It <laughs> <laughs> is great. A uh, little, little side note. And then, oh, that's not him. That's his disappointing son. Another dynasty. <laughs> right. Oh, my God. I love that line so much. Speaking of all those names, actually. Um, so in the commentary, they said that, first of all, um, she had to memorize those names. But secondly, which is a huge deal. Yeah. Um, do you want to hear all the names? Yeah, do it. Because they're all so unique, Maddie. I was like, what the fuck? Okay, we've got <laughs> Bert Whitfield, Jeffrey Morgelsberg, Quentin Arbell, Don Crink, which is a woman, Michael Holloway, Horace Wrangel, Wilmer Visum or Visum, I can't, I think it's Visum is what she says, Oscar Fort Miller, um, and she's like, no, that's his disappointing son, Theo, which still Theo Fort Miller. So I'm like, 
all these names are so different. They're, it's not like John Smith. It is something right. that it would be really hard to memorize. Can you imagine? Yeah, no, that's crazy. Yeah, because they're not generic at all. Right, right. Um, and then Amy Poehler said that in the commentary that uh, it used to actually be Janet Restrepo, but they changed okay. it to Janine for whatever reason. And then Amy Poehler had to change her, you know, uh, her lines, and she kept saying um, Janet instead of Janine. And so, yeah, which who can blame like, you? Yeah, and so I just wonder why they kept um, why they changed it. Yeah, Janine I wonder why Restrepo. they changed it. I don't know. Either way. But, um, yeah, I thought that those names were so fascinating. I was like, how do they come up with all this shit? It's so funny. <laughs> it is. Very interesting. I'd be interested to know if those were based off of people. Mm, good call. Good call. Maybe so. Yes. I have um, a sitting at the table now and yeah. Leslie realizing that Janine Restrepo is here. Right. Mm -hmm. And Mark, like, I think we're starting to get a Mark that we like a little bit. Right. We are, we're getting more of a laid back fun mark um, mm -hmm. and less of a player, you know, <laughs> and he's yeah. caring about Leslie as well. So he tells her, like, you should literally just walk up and introduce yourself. And this is like blasphemy to her. She's like, there's no way right. I could just walk up to her. But I thought he gave really good it, advice. You yeah. Know? And he was like, listen, well, let's act it out. And I was sitting there and I was like, you know what? I, you and I would 100 percent do that. <laughs> Start making weird voices and faces and plugging each other's nose. And I was like, yeah, we're professional. But like if we're at an event like that where it's probably like a little bit boring, I'm pretty sure we would do anything along those lines. I agree with you. That nose thing was so random. So I didn't yeah. like a thousand percent get it, but I a thousand percent loved it, if that makes sense. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like it's coming kind of out of nowhere. Right. Yeah. But it was just like, I don't know why it made everyone laugh and I mean I understand like I kind of understand like the point of it where it's like you know even if something random or bad or like awkward happens you'll get through it kind of thing and like right. making light of it yeah I'm I like Anne's line of like I'm city council member whatever the hell and <laughs> I love that so much whatever the hell she she has no idea what's going on right because when Leslie goes up to her mom and she's like well this is you know guess who's here with Janine Restrepo She's like, am I the only fucking person here who doesn't know who Janine Restrepo is? Like, I wrote that down I, I, in all caps that I loved Anne's talking head. That was amazing. Yes, it's perfect. Her little shrug at the end of that talking head is so perfect. <gasps> yes. Oh, oh, my God. I forgot about this. Okay, I have my favorite line now. But okay. um, you let me know whenever you're ready, like whatever you have left going on. Okay. Well, one thing I wanted to say is when Leslie goes up with Anne mm -hmm. to talk to her mom, Mm -hmm. um, and say hi and tell her that Janine's there or whatever. Um, she introduces Anne and she's like, oh, you're Leslie's friend. And Anne's like, yeah, just friend. I have a boyfriend. He's a man. <laughs> I almost, I like, I mean, I feel like you get, a, get, get away with it in 2009, but I was also like, why are you so defensive about it at the same time? Yeah. You know, like. Fair point, Maddie. Because I would be happy if we went anywhere and someone was like, oh, you guys are girlfriends? I'd be like, sure. <laughs> Aww, that's fine that's so <laughs> me too well it's like you know i mean and i think there was still some stigma in 2009 as sad as it is to say I'm, i think there was still some stigma around it back then but mm -hmm. you know like i honestly would not be you know like offended super upset about it yeah i wouldn't be offended by it i'd just be like oh like that makes sense due to the norms we have now you yeah. know like that you would think that we're we're going to all these parties together yeah yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, we're not, but wouldn't it be great if we were? 
Right, you know? right, 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 right. That's so funny. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's true. But interesting. I just thought that was interest- interesting. I don't know if it would land as nicely today, mm. uh, you know, with her being so defensive as it as it did back then. But yeah. Anyway. Agreed. I am ready to uh, move on to, uh, well, she she says she has a 22-minute speech, which oh my gosh. is so Leslie. You know, when yes. she has her vows, I think she says something like she's got an hour and a half. You yeah, know, or she has like, like a 20-page paper or whatever yes, the hell. Yes, about Ben, which like, duh, but at the same time, you know. Anyway, so yes, she's telling her mom about that, and that's the next thing I have. Okay, cool. I think this is the part where she's talking to her mom about like about Janine Restrepo and mm-hmm. she's like she's here whatever um, and her mom says butter her up or whatever and Leslie has that line of I'll make her feel like a human dinner roll. Yes. I love that line. I think that's my favorite one. That line is priceless. That is so, it's good. so good. And love I would it. love to know if it was improv because it seems, I know. It seems very genuine. Yeah. You know? At this point, Amy Poehler can do anything. Yeah. It's a toss up. I feel like with any of these shows that we that we love, it's a toss up, really. I feel like that it could be Mm -hmm. written or it could be improv because I'm surprised every time. Totally. Absolutely. We have her giving her her speech now, if you're ready for that. And yes, she um, the the face she makes is so funny. So there's a face cut when she's listing, you know, like I'm proud of my mom, blah, blah, blah. But I'm also like really excited that Janine is here and others you know yeah but then when she says um I love you like she has this little like you know look back to Janine and then it flashes to Janine and I don't know I've never noticed this before but you can see Mark doing this like putting his hands in (gasps) his face yes I wrote that I said Mark's head bow of shame as Leslie leaves the speech is really funny because that literally is a whole speech and I also was speaking of Mark I thought it was so funny I wrote that it was funny when Mark starts clapping when Leslie says Janine Restrepo is super important (laughs) (laughs) Um, and then we have uh, you know she's she walks past uh, Anne and is like sorry I can't talk right now I gotta go like you know I'm doing things like for myself Mm -hmm. or whatever and Anne's like I am Leslie's trophy wife yeah I love that too Maddie, I'm pretty positive our notes are like literally the exact same because I have that too. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to compare our notes one day and just like see yeah. what percentage is exactly the fucking same. <laughs> I know. It would be crazy. It's probably uh, probably like in the 80s at least. Literally. I love it. I love it. <laughs> uh, um, the next thing I have is, you know, they open up the mic for anybody else to go up and talk about um, Marlene. Mm-hmm. And... I don't understand Tom's charm. And maybe you can, like, nope, (laughs) you need, you don't get it either. Yeah, I just, okay, good. It's not necessarily that I didn't get it. I was just like, well, here he goes. You know, I don't know. But the thing is, is he says things and people are laughing and they're clapping. And I'm like, I don't don't get it. Yeah. Maybe it's because he's, he's done that to so many people that, like, whoever hears it, is like, oh, man, he's so complimentary and, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's all about the ego for the yeah. on the other side of who Tom is complimenting. So maybe that's what it is, that he's, like, complimented slash, you know, buttered up so many people that, like, now everyone is just instantly charmed by him. I don't know, but I understand what you mean. Yeah, yeah, it's just interesting. Yeah, I just haven't gotten that. Like, 
understood why people are so like charmed by his yeah by his whole like character yeah, yeah. there were also uh, speaking of this there were a lot of deleted lines like amy poehler mm-hmm. mentions that he's you know you can tell he's very comfortable behind a mic because you know he started with uh stand-up in real life right. and he's just making a ton of jokes and then he jumps off stage and drops his mic or drops the mic i thought that was really funny but um yeah he's his schmoozy self he's definitely working into that character yeah for sure for sure Next, I have the um, Leslie and Janine are out in the hallway and she's getting that whole like, okay, well, you can call something up and set up something with my um, with my secretary for next month or whatever. Mm -hmm. There's a shot of Leslie's hair in the back. And I think it's the first real good shot we get of the back of her hair Mm -hmm. because we see the front and her front. It doesn't really look that bad. Like, I think Mm -hmm. her hair looks nice in the front, but you look in the back and it looks like Trump. Oh, my God. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> oh, my God. It definitely looks like Trump hair. So anybody who's interested in seeing that, go back. I did not timestamp it. I'm sorry. But it's that it's pretty so great. Crazy. Well, and that's that's actually interesting that you say that, too, because I think it's really important for the audience. I don't know if they did that on purpose, I wonder, for the audience to see the back of her hair because mm-hmm. um, I remember when I very, very first watched this or, like, the first couple times I watched this, like, when it originally came out or when I had just been introduced to Parks and Rec, I was like, wait, did they really like cut her hair or like, how did they do that? So right. I really liked that they were showing that they, it was pinned. Um, right. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally get that. Um, yeah. That's so funny though. Yes. Then we have Ron go up to talk about Marlene and Awful. he's not even saying anything that bad. He just like, he's like, I'm not going to lie. I'm just going to tell the truth or whatever. Like, and, say, statement of facts. I really yeah. want to try that the next time I give a speech or, like, talk about someone. <laughs> I should have done that for a, my, like, wedding speech or something. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, and Sean and Sierra would have appreciated it because they love Parks and Rec, too. Oh, right. Oh, my oh God. Oh, my gosh. That's so That's funny. That's great. He also gives his first wood reference of the um, varnish or whatever. Yes. Yes. You've, love that. Which is as long as a nice varnish would last, I think right. is what he right, says. Right, 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 right. Um, mm-hmm. But... Her face the entire time he's speaking, Marlene's, is just, you can tell they do not get along. Like, she does yeah. not like that he's talking. Which, why did he get up anyway? It doesn't seem like it's mandatory. <laughs> right. I know. I wonder if that's because, I completely agree. I wonder if it's because he's, like, technically a leader in the Parks Department or something, and so it's expected of him or something. But still, I, yeah, I I'm confused by that too. But I have a theory, and this is totally just like a fan fiction moment because in uh, the DVDs, they have a deleted scene where Ron and Marlene walk by each other. Like, do I don't know, they're going somewhere, each one separate ways. And it's super animosity. Like, they walk by each other, and Ron goes, Miss Griggs, nope. And she says, Ron. And I feel like they've done it at some point. And. <laughs> some like romantical tension or something because ron does think that she's crazy slash like the iron whatever the fuck that was bleeped out but i think that he also really likes strong and powerful women as we see so i feel like something romantical happened uh and there is tension that is built up and now he's just like frustrated and she's like fuck you i will jump on this ship i i believe in it i believe in it (laughs) okay thank you appreciate it (laughs) But especially that delete, like, it doesn't really make sense if you're watching it without that deleted scene. But after I saw that deleted scene, I was like, oh, my God, there is something there. Sexual tension. Yes. The other things that I just wanted to quickly say before we move on is that um, 
kind of going back to the haircut, how she, how Amy Poehler said she had to do three days of it. They also did three days of shooting this banquet. Um, so that's kind of aligning. Mm-hmm. And then the second thing is that the in the banquet room, the squeaky chairs were a problem. Um, and so they kept having to, uh, you know, make sure that that wasn't going to be distracting but they also like you could really tell if you go back and listen to it amy poehler was really impressed by this as am i now that i go back and watch it but you really got the background noise uh like the clinking of the you know silverware on plates and Mm. drinks and ice and all that stuff so i thought that was really interesting sound design uh is really fascinating yeah um and then we're kind of going into uh how you were talking about this is circling back um and starting over essentially but like what you were talking about having like you could see the back of her um of leslie's haircut what i wrote is that it's kind of sad because she probably honestly could have gotten a meeting like made something happen uh if leslie had just like kept the like kept the course and perseverance and you know called the secretary set up a meeting or whatever but her mom like i think her mom gives her really bad advice at this point about the blackmailing and i was like oh that sucks i i'm 100 percent team ann in this situation where yeah. Anne is saying, you know, like, I think your mom's giving you bad advice. And, um, you know, I think I think it's so true. And I just you can see it right in, in Leslie's character and at the root of who she is, because when her mom shares that, hey, Janine's dad or b- husband was caught drinking and driving in um, Illinois or mm-hmm. whatever. She's like, well, everyone has their problems. You know, right. She's, she's so she's innocent. She doesn't get it. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, you know, oh, well, I mean, everybody struggles. Like, that's okay. Mm-hmm. She's not, mm-hmm. you know, thinking diabolically like her mom is. And I think, you know, it is, I think it's a, a foreshadowing of her not being able to go through with it. Right. You know, 100%. But her, mom, her mom is pushing her, you know, and uh, she's like, well, you know, I, mom, I want to be a Tellinson winner someday. And they don't give Lifetime Achievement Awards to people who do stuff like that. And she was like, honey, they only give Lifetime Achievement Awards to people who do stuff like that. And you could see it in Leslie's face, just like the disappointment. And I feel disappointed hearing that. That the yeah. people the people that end up making it to the top and the people that we end up looking up to, like the shit they've done to get there, you know? Yeah. I so. wrote that that line was really like a heartbreak line. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how I felt. And also it's kind of interesting because Marlene is lumping herself into that category too. So, she, right. you know, she's kind of explaining how she did she some stuff it. too and got corrupt uh, as well. Uh, but I do love that they show that Leslie doesn't want to do this and she doesn't she just doesn't have the heart for it um and i i really like that kind of on the upswing i know what we talked about a little bit of a heartbreak slash corruption but there is a commentary moment when i don't know if you noticed this but um i think it's when they're trying to have Anne go to the bar with tom and mark but Anne's like I, you know, it looks like she's in the middle of something, so I should stay. And Leslie's, like, playing with the spoons on, like, she's <laughs> has her yes. leg up on the table, like, putting, like, banging spoons against her leg. And it was so funny because, so apparently the director uh, was like, just do something weird. Like, we're going to cut to you. Uh, and so she did that a bunch of times, and, like, they cut to her a bunch of times. And so she did different things all, like, every take. And uh, Amy Poehler was really glad that they left the spoons thing in. <laughs> yes. I literally have fork drumming written oh my god i couldn't tell what what utensil they were but it's it is great i'm glad they used that one i would love to see the other one she did though 
I know, me too. I think that would be so entertaining. And they kept talking about all the differences between SNL and Parks and Rec. Like, they both were really interested in the techniques and camera workings of the, um, like, live show versus Parks and Rec and how they're still cutting to him uh, or cutting to different scenes. I thought that was really cool that they were talking about the uh, kind of uh, aspects of camera work. So that was really cool. Yeah, that is cool. I like that because, yeah, it is really interesting. It's very different than anything that had been mm-hmm. on TV at that point and whatnot. So that is really cool. Right. The, there's a couple things I wanted to say. One thing is, like, you know, her mom says that she needs to toughen up or what, that's what Leslie's kind of saying. And mm-hmm. and Anna was saying that doesn't sound tough. That sounds slimy. And I right. really like that line because uh, Ivan and I talk about this all the time that, you know, we don't really think we'll ever be at the top of the business thing. And, you know, mm-hmm. talking specifically from the restaurant, because you have to do really shitty things to people to make it to the top. And that's kind of his belief be, from what he's read and from what he's seen. And he's just not willing to do that, you know, like mm-hmm. screw people over and stuff. And because I feel like that's it's almost the easy thing to do. Right. Put yourself first and be shitty. So, mm-hmm. you know, I like that, you know. I like that Anne's saying that. That's not tough. That's not being tough. Mm-hmm. Being right. tough is yeah. like taking the taking the hard route and doing it yourself while yeah, not doing bringing the right other thing. people down, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I liked that. But then we have, I think, our first Anne and Leslie fight here. I literally have that as a bullet point. First Leslie and Anne fight. Yes, yes, it is. And I don't, they don't, you know, it's not a big fighting relationship, right. obviously, but they do have times in the show when they're... They, they are against, you know, the yeah, one point. Yeah, definitely on opposing sides and, yeah. like, definitely disagreeing. For sure. And, um, you know, she was like, do you just do everything your mom tells you? And she was like, well, you do, do you just do everything your boyfriend tells you? Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, he's he's got two broken legs. And she's like, and she he's got three crutches. And yeah. it was like, Leslie is saying the same thing everybody has been thinking since the first episode, I think. Absolutely. You know, and it... It's sucky that it was said that way, mm-hmm. but I think it was something she needed to hear. Yeah. You know? Well, and I love that, like, first of all, this is also the first Anne advice, too. Not only mm-hmm. is it the first Leslie and Anne fight, but it's yeah. the first time when Anne is kind of being the perspective of the, uh, I guess, doing the right thing kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also that line of, like, nursing is easy. You wouldn't understand. Like, oh, <laughs> I hate that line. It's so awful. I know. It is um, bad. Especially now in this climate. Come on. Oh, my God. Seriously, though. But I, I just love this fight so much because – or this disagreement so much because they're both um, equally matched, I feel, number one, because they both have equal, like, problems that they haven't been facing or, like, are kind of denying. Mm-hmm. But secondly – the reason why I like it slash like I think why it's so hard to watch slash painful is because they're both saying everything that is true. Right. Everything that they're saying is so valid and like, you know, is painfully truthful. So that's why it's hard to defend, uh, as you can see, because they're both, you know, wrong. But yeah. So and also this is random and we'll get back to the seriousness. Um, but when Leslie comes back to the table to talk to Anne after she talks to Marlene, Anne is like playing with a fork like inside her wine it or like water glass or something you'll have to go back and watch it it's so weird i was like maybe she dropped something in the glass and was trying to get it out but it looked so weird and that's when the <laughs> fight starts <laughs> that's interesting oh my gosh 
Maybe she's just bored. Yeah, that's true. Maybe so. Um, but yeah, it was a, it was a good. It, that was a great scene. They both yeah. did a really good job of playing. You know, good friends who tell each other hard truths and kind of like let it escalate and um, don't want to see it. But then, um, yeah, I, I I loved that scene. I thought it was really well written. Yeah, agreed, and very well acted, like you were saying. I also just love, and you know, this is more for us, I guess, than the viewers, but. I feel like we both tell each other what we don't want to hear sometimes. Mm. And we never yeah. get in fights like that. But, you know, in the past with like boy things or yeah. just recently when I was asking you about a job, you were mm. like, I mean, not mean. Right. But you you had a very forceful and like, listen, like this is this is the way it is. And yeah. Whenever I just wanted I... you to see a different perspective, no, too, I because know. it's so hard to, like, see um, outside of it when you're so cl- zo- zoomed in, you know? It Yeah, it's so true. And that's, like, 100% the reason I ask for your opinion and my mom's opinion. And, you know, I, mm-hmm. like, reach out and try to see what, you know, the people who know me best yeah. think about it. Because in the moment, especially when it's a big decision, I don't think necessarily very well. I'm overthinking in the wrong. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah. But just like I've I've always appreciated that when I've asked you for advice, you never sugarcoat anything. But you're like, look, this is this is how it is. And we never yell at each other, get mad at each other or whatever. But, you know, but, you know, you just very plainly said, like, listen, you're you're replaceable. And I didn't take that personally, (laughs) but it was like, you, you know. Like, do not make this decision for someone else because they can right. replace you. Okay, well, you. listen. Okay, okay, but I need I need the audience to understand. Okay. No. Oh yeah. Nobody. Th- nobody think that Holly was like telling me that no, I'm worth okay. nothing. And That's not this, what it is. <laughs> no, I'm passing this honestly down from my sister. Or no, I think it was my sister said it, but a couple of other people have said this to me. We're like, we feel bad leaving a job because we're like, oh, they're really depending on me. Like, they need me to finish this, mm-hmm. whatever, whatever. But like the mat- the truth of the matter is, they will find someone else you can be replaced um so like if you need to leave you need to leave and like move on and up you know what I mean yeah so um so yeah I just wanted you to know that too but like I and I know that I'm worrying too much about what everyone's thinking of me but (laughs) but yes I'm glad that you um took that for what it was yes I did and and I appreciated I appreciated the tone you used Mm. because I feel like I took it better Mm -hmm. than if you were like well listen, Maddie, they don't necessarily need you. You know, I think I took the way you, you know, the way you phrased it and the tone of your voice just really shaped it for me. And I honestly think like in that moment, it helped me just solidify my decision. And so I think, you know, I just... Oh, I, my God, that makes me want to cry. I feel so, like, blessed that I'm able to, like, be a helping yes. part in your life. You are. You are a shining light in my life. I literally have been texting you through this entire process, like, when I sent my resume in and when I heard back and then when I, you know... Oh, my God. So, I love that. Yeah. But, okay, you I'll guys also we are going to talk about this in the therapy session, too, a little yes. bit later, but... Yes, for sure. But I just, <laughs> just I a little preview. that... You like I had to point this out because I think everyone needs a best friend that's going to tell you the hard shit and whether it's them yelling at you like Ann and Leslie were doing or whether it's they send you a voice memo and they just tell it to you straight. I think everybody needs a friend that's going to be brutally honest, no matter if mm-hmm. it's going to hurt your feelings or if it's going to, you know, you need somebody that's going to be on your side and honest about things like that. So that yeah. was my point. 
<laughs> I love that. And I also really, 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 really appreciate that you said that it was the tone of voice, too, that you liked. Because I do I do um, place a lot of weight on that. Because I have been told in the past that my tone is, like, mean sometimes. Or, like, maybe too um, forthcoming, I guess. I don't know. But, like, I never mean it that way. Um, but so I've, like, worked kind of hard to make sure that I'm not, like, hurting anyone's feelings. And mm. I do think I do think that some of that is, um, like, not to bring it to this, but I do think some of the reason why people think that my tone is bad is because I am a woman. And if a man said it, it would just be like, oh, okay, they're being, like, truthful in the end. But, right. like – so um, all that to say that I do kind of I, – I try to work on it like regardless of the gender um, or like who I'm talking to. I never want to like hurt anyone's feelings. So like I do think it's nice that, to try to work on how you say stuff. It does make right. such a difference. I agree. Yeah. Tone of tone of voice matters Yay. for sure. Okay, good. Yeah. But anyway, that was my – that was my note that I am, you know, like – and just the funny moment that kind of relieves the tension that we all feel when – when Anne and Leslie just, you know, they just had this fight and Anne gets up and she's going to go home to Andy now and bring him a ham and meatball sandwich, I guess, um, is when Frank comes back over and he is like, it's okay. You guys are allowed to fight. You're just like everyone else. And I was like, oh, buddy, God bless you. God bless. For supporting someone like because, you know, he doesn't know that they're not together, but he's so supportive of their relationship. And I think it's adorable. I know. I love it. I love it. He's like living vicariously through them. And like that just also went to show that he was basically watching them the whole time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I think so is true. So also, true. side note, Tom is still married at this point. Like what the F when he wants to go to leave the party yes. to go hit on chicks quote with Mark which yeah. by the way Scully's this is the first mention of Scully's I like that yes yes it's great we are we ready to go to the bar are you ready oh commentary moment Anne's dress was supposed to be black like almost when they were at the house mm-hmm. um but then they wanted it to be more of like a prom dress looking thing so that's why they chose that bright pink thing which I thought was so hilarious yeah good choice um Definitely. Uh, the guy who's making the speech now, I think this is before the bar, the guy who's making that speech, the one that he comes back a ton of times as the host of events. He's the yes. one with the woodworking. Yes. I have his name, if you would like it. <gasps> yes, I would love it. All right. Yes. His name is Jim McCusum. Okay. Okay. I think. Love Jim. I probably pronounced that wrong. Um, he is Mary-Kate and Ashley's dad in the Mary-Kate no. and Ashley movie, Our Lips Are Sealed. What? I know. I love Mary-Kate and Ashley, and I love that movie. I don't – oh, my gosh. Okay, I got to go back and watch Is that. Is that the one where they're in the Bahamas? Or yeah, is that the Australia the one? Or maybe it's Australia. Well, because it's like our lips are sealed. It's about the uh, – what you call it, right? The Witness Protection Program? Yes, they're in Australia. The Bahamas is a different one. They go on like a family vacation with other people. I was obsessed with those movies. Yeah, they go to um, Sydney, Australia. Yes, beautiful. Anyway, he's their dad in that. That um, is wild. Yes. I love Mary Kate and Ashley so much. Yes. He's also done a lot of voice acting. Okay. Um, and for example, I don't know if we've discussed this before, but I, lo- I love Avatar The Last Airbender. And oh, I haven't watched it yet, but it's on my list. It's so good. I just made Ivan watch all of it, and he was actually pretty into it, and I was afraid he wouldn't be. But anyway, he play- he voice acts a couple of the Fire Nation guards mm. in that show. So, yeah. Okay, I'll keep an eye out. But the Our Lips Are Sealed thing is the one that blew me away. I was like, what? My childhood? I know. That's crazy. I love it. That scene of Talonson in the hospital room is like 
really disheartening and perfect. Um, that line of like, thank you for those inspiring twitches and blinks. Yes. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> so crazy. Oh, yeah. Like he didn't say anything the entire time. And it was perfect just, choice. Just like waving. Yes. Just a perfect choice for us to not have to watch it and that it cuts and then it comes back at the end. That was just really well done, I thought. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's that's pretty much the end of, of my uh, notes for the banquet. And now I'm at the bar. Yeah. And I my first note was that Tom is peacocking, what he calls it. Yes. And that is very concerning to me. <laughs> I know. Does not, does not look great. Um, I have a commentary moment. Yes, do it. Okay. Well, um, first of all, I do love that his talking head where he talks about like why he cho- chooses to go out with Mark. Not only does he really like Mark, but he also has that line of like, he's handsome. I'm a cutie pie. Yeah. <laughs> that must like my runner up favorite line. Cause I thought it was so funny. That is funny. Um, also side note, it was really hilarious. Speaking of that line, um, Amy Poehler loved that line so much that um, for the, for a rap party of Parks and Rec, she got Padma Lakshi, the one from Top Chef, um, to sign something for Aziz saying, you're a cutie pie, like on the picture. Oh, that was so funny. But peacocking. Okay, so um, I looked up, I either looked it up or I heard on the commentary, I can't remember. But basically, peacocking is a term that was like not really written into the script. It was kind of Aziz Ansari's ideas um, of like, a pickup tactic, like mm. how you would just have the most absurd way to hit on women. And so they went to wardrobe and just chose the most crazy thing, like including women's hats. Um, and they thought that the character of Tom would be like super into all these, you know, weird like tactics. For example, there's a deleted scene where Tom says, oh, my God, it's so awful. Um, I almost don't want to repeat it because and it's not like sexual or weird, but it's just like so dumb. Basically, Tom says to Mark, uh, I went over to this girl and asked her what she did for a living. And before she could answer, I yawned, flicked her off, and went away. Pretty risky, right? What? what? <laughs> like, it doesn't make wow. any sense and it's stupid. But, like, can you imagine if a guy did that to you at a bar? That would be so terrible. It would be awful. Be like, but, all right, um, never talking to you again. Yeah, totally. But, yeah, so, like, apparently, I don't know where, exactly where the term peacocking came from i'm sure like a c's or somebody like made it up on the spot but like uh according to wikipedia there's this book out there that is uh about like the most weird pickup strategies and so it's kind of like based on that too so anyway yeah uh peacocking is a thing wow but if anybody could do it a c's could honestly like he made it work and made it funny i feel like if anyone else did that you'd be like what the fuck this character does not need to be doing this right (laughs) oh my gosh Um, back at the party, I have Mm -hmm. written down that, um, that Leslie's about to do this horrible thing to Janine, right? Mm -hmm. And it's so hard for her. You Mm. can see it. Like, you know, she's going through with it, but she's having, she's like struggling with how to present it and with being like really cautious and like kind about it at the same time. But it's just, it's not working out for you. You can tell that she's just like, she feels awful about it and she gets water thrown in her face which part of me was like, Leslie, I didn't want water poured in your face. I'm sorry. But at the same time, from Janine's point of view, like, you know, yeah. it's kind of understandable. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that water, I have to uh, I have to tell you something about this. So yes. they shot everything up to the water being thrown in her face so that they could cut away. Like they only wanted to shoot her getting water thrown in her face one time because, first of all, you'll – of editing – but secondly, if water's thrown in your face, 
you'll start to anticipate it and then the camera will catch that you're like waiting for the water to happen right so they shot everything like up to that point um and they said it was they said they did it twice like the first time they didn't she didn't expect it to happen um like it just happened and then they're like oh wait 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 wait. we need to like not do that at, like every single time <laughs> and amy poehler was like it's actually really shocking to get water in your face um <laughs> Um, which, like, do you remember that, like, ice bucket challenge or whatever the fuck? Like, Yes. Oh, my God. I remember I did that. And it is very, like, gnarly to yeah. get cold water on your head, in your face, anywhere. Yeah. Not fun. Um, but, yeah, this scene was really sad. And um, that Janine lady, Restrepo, I thought she was so good. The way that she, yes. like, turns on a dime. Like, what do you want? That line, yeah. it just, it, like, made me go cold. It made me freeze because yeah. she has this, like, almost growl in her voice when she says that line. And it's, like, you, you did not expect that or see that coming. And no. Leslie is instantly turned off and remorseful. Well, and Leslie was not – Leslie's personality is not prepared to go up against that. Exactly. You know, That's like, so Marlene, true. I feel like, could, but sh- she can't. Right, right. Um, Agreed. This is the person I have not told you about yet with the okay. guest stars. She is played by Loretta Fox. Okay. Is her name. And where we would know her is Blades of Glory. I don't where? know I don't know the name of the person she plays. I didn't write that down because I'm dumb. But no. she is in Blades of Glory and that's a connection kind of back to the office because Jenna Fisher was in Blades of Glory. Yeah, and so was Amy Poehler and oh, her yeah. husband. Oh my uh, gosh. How didn't I put that together? Isn't yes, that they nuts? were. And they were that gross like yes, making out brother sister couple. couple. Ugh, yeah. All right. Yeah. She was also in the romantic comedy Going the Distance. Did you ever see that? I don't think I did. I've heard of it. I think it's Drew Barrymore. And then, have you seen New Girl? Yeah, but I I don't watch enough of it to know. uh, It's one of her boyfriends. One of Jess's boyfriends from the very, very beginning. um, That he was like the music teacher at the school or whatever. Oh. Yeah, that guy. So they're in that. that. That was pretty cute. Anyway, so... Sorry, side note, but that's, yeah, that's where she's from. No, love that. Well, the last thing I have at the banquet um, that I noticed, this could have been in any scene, but I just wanted to bring it up. What even, like, are those drinks? Because they look like they are almost, like, fuzzy scotches. Like, they're very... Yeah, what Ron had? Yeah, Yeah. and I saw a couple on the tables, and I was like, what is that? Because it's not straight whiskey, but it's Mm -hmm. not a soft drink, so it's almost like... A fuzzy scotch is what I called it. <laughs> yeah, I would be really intrigued to know. Yeah, I'm sure like the props department or something made that up, but I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Also, did you see the lady in the background um, of when, I don't know if it was like during the part where Janine's like, well, I'm just going to get back to my dessert then. Like if you're not going to like, mm-hmm. you know, adhere to calling my secretary. But like the lady in the background was like kind of on Janine's side like giving like an approving look or like a disapproving look rather I thought that was really funny so that's hilarious I I did not notice that that's great (laughs) but yeah okay now I'm I'm finally at um the bar yeah my only note here is like you're seeing that Mark was having a lot of fun with Leslie and Anne and we see him right back when when we're at Anne's house next he there's a little clip of him walking back into the banquet and realizing they had left And you feel so bad because I think he's wanting that actual connection now with someone. He's wanting that, um, you know, I can have conversations with this person. I can care about this person and they can care about me. Mm -hmm. And that's why he just kind of was done at the bar. He, you know, he didn't want to be there anymore. And he was kind of um, hesitant to leaving anyway. Um, Yeah. But he just didn't like it. I mean, and it's kind of outlined by the 
the lines, right, of the of those women that they say, well, one time I left the keys to one of the houses back at my house, so I had to go all the way back or whatever, you know. So, like, yeah. which I'm sure happens, you know. <laughs> right, but, like, but it's just like that that's, that's what boring. you're sharing. <laughs> you yeah, know? yeah. I think but, it finally clicked for me in this episode a tiny bit just because I, we're seeing him interact with, like, you know, bar women mm-hmm. um, that he – I call him – in this episode, I called him the small town Brad Pitt because, <laughs> like, I think Mark is handsome and I think Paul Schneider, who plays him, is really handsome too. But I don't think that he's like, oh, my gosh, H-A-W-T, like, I need to, like, get right. with you immediately. Um, but, you know, he's in a small-ass town with plenty of room to score and, you know, maybe mm-hmm. he's H-A-W-T for the pool that he's in. So I think I right. kind of get it that, like – you know, he was with all these kind of skanky ladies because he could be and he was in a small town with a small like uh, amount of people to choose from, I guess. And right. but then when Anne comes along, I think she kind of opens up this idea that like, oh, I can be with people that like have substance and maybe I'm ready to move on to someone that I can, like you said, kind of have a connection with. Um, right. I have – oh, oh my gosh. I have a really fascinating um, commentary moment. So the babes at the bar is what I called them, the boring babes at the bar, BBB. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they were supposed to mimic Anne and Leslie at the table. So there's a blonde gal and a brown brunette gal, and they're mm-hmm. supposed to be mirrors of each other. Um, Interesting. So like – I thought that was so fascinating. I did not pick up on that, and I wouldn't mm-hmm. have if it wasn't for the commentary. But that's where, like, Mark's in the middle, and he's, like, talking at the banquet. He's talking and having fun with, like, these really smart, intelligent, caring, you know, connected people. And uh, at the bar, it's, like, the same brunette blonde situation happening where he's in the middle talking to them, but he is not connected at all, and they're completely boring slash, like, not connected. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was really fascinating. Very detailed. fascinating. Yeah, I would not have put that together either. Also in the commentary, it's funny because they were wondering. So you know how you said um, Mark goes back to the banquet to see if Anne is there? Mm-hmm. Um, they were wondering, Amy Poehler and the director, Beth, were wondering if Mark was running back to Anne or back to Leslie. And I always thought it was Anne. Maybe it was a little bit of both, but I definitely think it was Anne. I uh, like at this point, like I know we know that he's got a little something something for Anne. But I always figured like in this episode this time watching I kind of figured it was both of them I think he was having Mm. an enjoyable time with both of them and he just was enjoying friendship with women at that point you know yeah that's true but no I agree and I think that was really interesting too because before he even leaves for the bar um he tries to stay like he tells Tom like well we can go later and Tom's like well it's 9 p.m or whatever the hell like there is no later in this town (laughs) you know right so um but yeah and so I've moved on to Anne's house now if you're ready yeah I think the first thing I have is, you know, Aunt, or Leslie tells Anne, I, c- I couldn't do it. I couldn't go through it with that woman. And mm. I was wondering if they changed it because Leslie is in tune with the fact that, that Anne doesn't know the posse that she's with. So instead of saying, I couldn't do that to Janine, she said mm. that woman. So she didn't feel like left out. I don't know if that's why, but that's the first time she said that woman. She's always called her Janine. Yeah, that's interesting because you would think that Anne knows because they had that whole fight conversation thing. Right. 
So I don't know. That's weird. It's interesting word choice. I but. also, this is kind of random. I'm so sorry. I'm actually going back a tiny bit. But like when they're talking about, just thinking about like the the women that were there, when they were talking about that like table, that long list of names that had all won Tellinson awards and how Marlene uh, is talking about how everyone was corrupt to get the award, they do, now uh, this is a little soapboxy, so I, I understand that. But the one woman who has the Tellinson award slept her way to the top. Yeah. And I really wanted it to be a different way to be corrupt i was like yeah. can she be corrupt somehow else like yeah instead of sleeping with people i don't like that i don't like it either this has always been a thing but especially now when kamala is the uh vice president elect and they people have been talking about how the only reason that she is where she is is because she's been sleeping her way to the top she like dated the mayor of san francisco or whatever the fuck but like mm. are you kidding me like have you seen her resume like yeah. fuck off yeah so Anyway, that I don't, part I don't was like a... I don't like that. You come you come to me with proof and right. you know, I'll listen to you, but like you can't just assume women have gotten where they are because of that. Like that's yeah, it's so ridiculous. Sexist. And it really sucks because women are saying it too, of course, because right. that's what how it goes and it's just really terrible. So it kind of made me frustrated that that's but I mean May, I don't think it was intentional, but, like, if it was, and it was probably well done because, you know, that is how you would either assume or – but, um, yeah. Anyway, that was – that's the end of that. <laughs> okay. The next thing I have is Anne says, you know, there was truth in what you mm-hmm. – in what you were saying, and Leslie's like, no. What? <laughs> I know. She's trying so hard to be, like, polite. Yeah. It's just so good because I'm – you know, it's nice that they were able to take their steps back and realize the truth of what the other was saying to them, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I agree. That was um, nice. There's a deleted scene, too. This is really random. Um, also, I, I just love uh, that Anne just shows up at uh, – or Leslie just shows up at Anne's house and is like – Agreed. Yo. I'm and here. Anne's cool with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a cut line when Anne says, do you, like, do you want something to eat? And then Leslie's like, do you have fixings for chocolate milk? And then she's like, no. And then Leslie's like, then no, I'm fine. (laughs) (laughs) So good. Oh, so funny. I love. There's a couple different notes I have on this scene. It's so funny. But the only thing I have left, I think, is uh, well, two things. I think one is when Andy walks in, and Mm. he thinks that Anne is hugging a a man, and so he gets really defensive. Which I thought was hilarious. But then um, when Leslie's taking all the pins out of her hair, right? And she's like, well, that's why they call my mom and the bleep, 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 bleep right. of, of Pawnee. And it's funny because everyone else, it's like an insult, right? But again, Leslie is taking it as this positive, like, that's her nickname. Everybody calls her that because it's fun and they love her. Right. You know? Right. And she says something at the end. I can't remember the word that she uses, but, like, she says the bleeped out thing and then she's, like, takes a beat and she's, like, fondly, though. Like, yes. <laughs> you <Fondly>. know. <laughs> yes. So funny. It's perfect. I was wondering what the painting is in Anne's house. Like, behind her couch mm. on the wall that's next to her. Uh, it's, I mean, it's su- super dumb, but I was just looking at the details and it's next to the wall. Um next to Anne's bedroom and it's like a weird tree with this orange background and it's like really huge it's a big painting I feel and I'm like why do you need that that's weird yeah (laughs) I'd be intrigued on how they came to decorate her house because I like it because 
That's what I was going to say. It's such a precious house. Not only the like size and sh- like outlay or layout of the of the house, but I do like how they dire- uh, how they, you know, decorated it and stuff. Yeah. Um I've also been finding you see it a little bit more in last episode and the next episode, but like the Wonder Bread is on top of the fridge mm. and the chocolate covered pretzels that I can't remember the name of off the top of my head are on top of the fridge oh, too. The so I wonder if those were sponsored. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's it. I love so funny. I love yogurt and chocolate covered pretzels. Mm. So I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> so good. I liked uh, Leslie's line of <laughs> dad lives in, my dad lives in Florida yeah. in a cemetery. That's a funny, awkward way to say that he's dead. And I think that's great yeah. that we uh, hear that because we don't, I don't think we knew that before. Yeah, I don't know. I, f- I think she mentioned something dear, like at, a f- at one of the forum episodes, maybe the second episode. Mm. But I don't remember exactly how um, they said it. Yeah, how she said it or if it came up. Because I remember saying like, I thought for a second that they were setting up that her dad was still alive, but then mm. like it, she fixed it, I guess. Right, then it switches. Right. So the last thing is um, the movie in the background. I don't know the name of the movie that they were watching, um, but Rock Hudson was the actor. It's one of those old timey movies. Mm. And also, um, not only did I love it, but the gals in the commentary really loved that when Anne is passing the popcorn to leslie after she passes the popcorn she like puts it on andy's casts like as a resting place and That's like hilarious. he's asleep or whatever <laughs> yeah it's so funny um but yeah um yeah and then the only thing left is like you know you have this very interesting and we know now right that that tom's relationship is a hoax mm-hmm. for a green card but you know if you don't know that and you hear him say what he says right like like my wife and I are both very disappointed that I haven't been able to cheat on her yet. Right. You know, you're like, what the fuck is happening? Right. And I was like, okay, the the line or whatever is like the fact that I haven't even gotten close to cheating on her. Well, I get like to me, it's like it depends on what you call cheating or like close because going to bars and hitting on girls is definitely a form of cheating, don't you think? Like, I guess sex is the last line, but is yeah, I don't it's know. A, it's, Am I crazy? No, yeah, it's it's yeah. I would count that as cheating, and like there's there. I don't know if it's gone this far, but like there's emotional cheating too. Right, right. You know, so I wonder if they knew that they were going to have her need a green card. You know, yeah. Well, we or meet if they her, just needed to explain it. We meet her in the next episode. Yes, they do. So we do. they knew we were going to meet her at some point, which means mm-hmm. they knew they were going to set something up. Yeah. Right. So I don't know what they I don't know what they knew at that time. Right. Maybe we'll find out in the commentary of next week's episode. Right. 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 Yeah. Like I was trying to think like if I hadn't watched this show and knew that his wife was okay with him being with other women, like I don't know. I would just my point is I would be really angry with Tom if I was just coming into this not knowing the backstory of the wife. <laughs> right. You know. <laughs> yeah. Which is like how did we feel about it the first time we watched it? I know. Oh, I you know what I don't even remember. I honestly don't remember. But oh, I do either. really like this line. It almost won kind of sorta. Um this was all improvised at the end when he's like wearing his weird ass hat, wet ladies hat and is saying like do you like the color orange? Like carrots into those? <laughs> so dumb. So dumb. Wow. There's a deleted scene where they show Tom making a scrapbook about Leslie, um, and which is weird, but also cute. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. But the Pawnee Journal has a front page story, and there's a little picture of Anne and Leslie that says Mr. Leslie Nope and wife Anne. Aw. <laughs> That's hilarious. I love that so much. I know. And I just think that is the perfect way to end. <laughs> it is. It's the perfect, perfect way to end. I love it. Well... 
Awesome. Well, I am so excited for the next episode. I, uh, not to give too much away, obviously, and I won't, but like it literally is my favorite episode out of all six episodes. I, I think I'm with you as well on that. But yeah, so um, we will see you next episode, next week, um, for our amazing rock show. Yes. Um, if you want to stick around, we would love it. But if not, then we'll see you next week. But um, let's go to therapy. There's a park and some pals and there's also therapy too. Last episode, we were literally talking about, and you had mentioned this. I'll let you tell most of the story, but you had mentioned that like every episode, you've kind of complained, <laughs> which is yeah. so, so, so like warranted. Yes. And I like, I feel bad about it to some extent. And I've really kind of battled with back and forth about what I should allow to be kept in and what I should take out, you know, for the sake of people I work with or the people mm. that I work for, if for some reason they end up watching this or whatever but yeah I just I uh had this awesome opportunity come up that Holly has been in on from day one um we had a friend um of ours come to the restaurant and eat and I was just telling her you know that teaching was kind of sucking at the moment and um I felt kind of kind of used you know just I mean Mm -hmm. kind of worn out used and told her that it was just frustrating because I had brought my concerns to, to people and they haven't been, they hadn't been listened to. And, you know, additionally teaching just, you know, I think I've mentioned this before, it just isn't what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. You know, it was a nice transition job out of what I was doing. Um, I thought I was going to be able to maybe build something at the school for kids with needs, but I haven't been given that opportunity and it's, um, it was time to go. And, and she works with a, um, a service here in, um, Arizona, mm-hmm. um, where they provide therapy and they provide support for families of kids and young adults with disabilities or um, struggles. Yeah. Um, so I um, sent her my resume. She sent it on. I got an interview. I have been given a job offer. And uh, as of Monday, I accepted said job offer. Woo! So, yes, I'm very excited. And I will That's be amazing. signing my papers on Monday Okay. Um, to take the job. And then I will go in and I will quit after I've signed those papers. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's going to be really good for, for myself. And I have gone back and forth um, in my head about offering the school to continue creating packets for the kids mm-hmm. um, and see if they will continue to pay me to do so until they have a replacement. Because mm-hmm. I do feel bad leaving extra work for my coworkers because I know they're already stressed out to the limits as well. Mm-hmm. And I feel bad about leaving my kids. And you know that was partially my struggle of making yeah. the decision um, to quit. Right. Um, but I just, I'm really happy I made the decision. And there have been things that have kind of um, happened throughout this week with school. Um, like just poor communication and uh, more stuff being put on our plate where I've, I was just like, if this is how it's going to continue to go, I'm I'm happy that I kind of have made this transition. Yeah. So. And, you know, you know me very well to know that behavioral health and psychology, that's the field that I really would like to be working in. So I'm excited and they would like to put me with the, the majority of my clients being um, diagnosed with autism. So I'm really excited about that. That's so amazing. I know because that's your passion and I just mm-hmm. love that you're going to get to explore that a little bit. One of the really appealing parts of the job to me was the flexible schedule. So you don't work a nine to five. Um, as long as you are putting in 40 hours a week, they do not care when those 40 hours are happening. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, so 
that's really cool. Um, and additionally, if you work more than 40 hours, which right now I guess it's a little bit iffy with um, COVID, but mm-hmm. if you work overtime, you get overtime pay. Wow, so, that's awesome. Yeah, so that's great as well. Um, but anyway, so you, you really work out with it with your clients when they most need you. So when mm. do you need to be present in their lives? And you do 20 to 25 billable hours with your clients. And then the rest of it is either meetings with the your coworkers or um, paperwork. Okay. So, I honestly, okay, this is a little, this is not really random, but something that as you've been talking and, you know, we've talked about it pretty much every episode, um, I would actually be interested in maybe perhaps doing like a bonus episode on autism. That'd be cool. Like where me, the amateur, like, like civilian... <laughs> <laughs> for lack of better term, um, asks you questions. Um, and we could even have fans ask questions um, yeah. or listeners ask questions. Um, like, because I'm sure that there are people dealing with this and maybe not knowing, first of all, like what it is. But secondly, um, maybe they need support and maybe they need to. Or, and honestly, I would say even if they don't need support, like related to autism, I feel like it's just a really interesting thing to learn about because mm-hmm. we I think we hear about it and we see it like even represented in TV shows sometimes every now and again and like Asperger's and that kind of thing. But like we don't really know what it is or how it functions or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I think that would be interesting to do. It could be a bonus episode. Yeah, I like that idea. And I like when you ask questions about all the diagnosis the disorders that I, that yeah. I know a lot about. It's very interesting. So, yeah, yeah, I think it would be amazing. And I think that it's really important. And I'm glad, I think it always has been. But I think now, especially with this shift that's kind of happening in society, I like the idea of like really making sure that you understand something that you didn't already know um, right. about and asking that in a um, kind of from a perspective of wanting to learn rather than judge, right. um, like you're always learning. So I think that would be really fascinating. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I would Okay, love well, that. cool. Yay. I'm yeah. so glad that you are going to have a job that like means a lot to you and you do have good uh, time off. So I think yep. that you guys can definitely schedule something with your mom when that all happens and when it's a- available to you. Um, I'm really excited for you. Thank you. Do you Yay. have anything you want to share? Or did you want to share things outside of the recording? Um, I mean, anything that I share, I guess I can, because I've already like voice memoed you about the specific details, so I don't really care. (laughs) (laughs) But there's really nothing crazily, crazily new to report. Um, I would say that I think I talked, well, I don't know if I was recording at this point, but I did get a boxing bag because I love boxing and I've been really terrified to go to the gym because of COVID. Um, But the only problem is that it's a standing bag. So I filled it with like, almost 100 pounds of sand and it's still not heavy enough at the bottom base part because uh it had it comes with suction cups but I have carpet and so I just got ordered some more sandbags and hopefully that will help but I I was like punching around just to try it out and it made me so happy so I'm really glad that that'll just be available to me and then yeah the second part it's again there's really nothing new uh, <laughs> <laughs> um the I guess like to shorten it I just know that I'm worth more than certain people think that I am. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I'm just I I don't understand how certain people function like not being uh respectful and considerate of other people's time and energy. Yeah. And especially if you've already known me and you know how much time and effort and energy and like I wanted to use the word solidarity, but I don't know if that works. But like, you know, how much I put into 
relationships, I um I I don't understand how people can see that and not like know how much I care first of all and secondly like at the very end of the day I just know that I'm worth a lot more than what people have been giving me or showing me <laughs> Aww, Maddie's dog is taking over the yeah. camera so Sorry. cute hi yes. little honey bunny <laughs> this is the thing too that I think other people can also relate to because sometimes I think you you question if maybe your expectations of people are too high and mm-hmm talking to you through these I don't think your expectations are too high you're asking to be reciprocated the love you give and the time you give but you you know you you deserve that reciprocation yeah you know and for someone to make plans for you to do something and then not show up that's a huge deal and for you to have to do all the planning is also stupid also the other thing was that it really illustrated to me and I think a lot of people can relate to this as well is that like people have shown you who they are time and time and time again. You are just not listening to it. Like right. you've seen who they are, you've seen what they're going to do, you've seen all of the patterns, but like that was the other like illustrating moment where I was like I know who you are. I know what you're going to do and now I'm finally done. The answer yeah. is no, to quote myself. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which, yes. by the way, I'm really hoping – okay, so that's another thing, too, about um, really fast uh, therapy moment, uh, but not really therapy, kind of like just a little manifestation moment is that one of the things that is on my to-do list is to create a vision board list um, because that's something that I do regardless of the time or year or whatever. Um, I make a vision board for myself. Um, mm-hmm. And my tips and tricks are, first of all, Do it no matter how you think is right or wrong. It's so important. Uh, There are so many things that I've put on my vision board that didn't happen until like a year later or two years later. Or maybe like I didn't think that they would happen at all, but I put it on the list or on my board and it did. I didn't even think about it, but it just happened. I support this. Yeah. So awesome. But yeah, that's kind of what's been going on with me. So I'm glad that you're in a good spot. But um, well, we have this every week. Yes. We'll catch up next week and find out what what changed. <laughs> yes. And honestly, like parkpalspodcast at gmail.com or DMing us will really, uh, you know, make me happy and make us happy, I feel. Because yeah. I would love to hear like therapy moments that you've had or if you've had like a um, maybe a time with your friend or a group of friends or something that you were like uh, you had a moment that you like to talk about um, that was therapeutic for you. I just I don't know. I love those stories. I know that sounds weird, but I just like hearing oh, yeah. that. Well, I just really would love to hear if like this motivated you to like, you know, talk to people or like know your worth or I don't know, something. Because yeah. as much as we love Parks and Rec, like the main point of Parks and Rec for me anyways is Leslie Nope. And Leslie Nope uh, is a badass boss bitch who's in touch with her feelings and emotions. And she has flaws, sure. But she also has a really solid group of friends that she like has a therapy moments with. I agree. And if anybody ever has anything going on, and they don't, you know, they want our opinion on it, what we would do. Yeah. I would love to have that. that. Yeah, yeah. I would love to have a segment of like, well, I don't want to say give you advice because we can't give you advice. Well, no. we can, but we <laughs> we can just do our best. <laughs> yeah, we can tell you what we would do. Exactly. Exactly. But um, yeah, I mean, anytime you want to chat. Yes. All right. Well, well we love you all. Well, thanks for tuning in, you guys. We really appreciate you guys listening. Yes. See you next week. There's a park and some pals and there's also therapy too.